Mr. Bond. Miss Lynn. Welcome to Saigon. It was always nice to see you, Elliot. <laughs> I hadn't intended opening in this center until tomorrow, but as you're here, you can help me write the inaugural story. Your obituaries. I hope you extended the same courtesy to Paris. Actually, Mr. Bond, you're the one who wrote my late wife's obituary when you asked her to betray me. Do you expect me to talk? Good evening, and welcome to episode 27 of Do You Expect Us To Talk? As ever, I'm your host, Becca, and joining me are ardent Bond fans, Dave and Chris. Hi! Hello there. Tonight we are discussing Tomorrow Never Dies, Pierce's greatest Bond film, maybe? Well, there's only about four to choose from, isn't there, really? Well, there was that MasterCard advert he did. (laughs) That was amazing. (laughs) Anyway, this movie also stars John Price, Michelle Yeoh, Gertz Otto, as directed by Roger Swatterswood and released in 1997, and scored by David Arnold. So, what do we reckon to Tomorrow Never Dies? Becca, you go first. It was your first cinematic Bond film. Let's see what you think It was about indeed. It. Yeah, I don't have a concrete memory of watching Goldeneye in the cinema. I think I must have been about 11 or 12 when it came out. But I do... I was so excited to go and see this. I was like, oh, first big screen Bond! Ah! And I saw it multiple times. Um... No, it's, it's, it's good fun, it's good fun. Um, it's a lot more light-hearted, I would say, than Goldeneye. Um, I love John Price as the villain. He hams it up something wicked. Um, he, he gets some really good lines. Not as good as Drax, but he has some really good lines. Um, and yeah, it's, just, it's, it's got a very special place in the Bond pantheon for me, because it's my first one on the big screen. So yeah, pretty much love it. Well, this was the second one on the big screen for me, obviously, because I saw Goldeneye. Um, and then, so... Uh, yeah, I I do have a very fond memory of like it was it was Christmas time. I remember just like I was with my dad. We were putting up a Christmas tree. We finished doing that, and we thought, oh, we'll go and watch the Bond film. And we went to the local cinema. We sat and watched the Bond film, and I, I I remember I just had an absolute blast. You know, I generally really enjoyed my time like watching it, and I, I think remember we both walked out thinking that's better than the last one, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> uh, we're both pretty. We're, you know, I think mainly just because I mean, I, I like I alluded to um, last week. Um, I think Dave agreed that the running time just flies by. I know it's it, it's just so effortless, effortlessly enjoyable. Now, there are things wrong with it, or the you know that's it's very lightweight, should we say? You know, yes, it's, it's by no means perfect. Yeah, well, I, I think well, I was thinking about it just before like for start recording, and it, it's I would say it's very fast and loose. You know, but that's not necessarily a criticism. It, you know, it, I think it. I think that's just how it wants to be for the for this particular film. I think it. I think its sole intention uh, is just to, like we just want to just entertain. You know, uh, and I think it 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 delivers. It it does what it it's the film that it wants to be. I don't think it tries to be anything more than what it is. I mean, and it, yeah, you you could. I know people like uh, generally. Jonathan Price's villain, even back then, no one like no, no, everyone sort of said, "Oh, he's a weak villain." Um, you know, I 
I'm kind of with you, Becca. I still kind of enjoy it. I find it so hammy. It's just like... It... It's fun, isn't it? It gives a fun performance. Yeah. It's just like a, a big, bold brush. But, blockbuster is what it is. But it, it's <laughs> like, I try and think, but he... I can't think how else that character, how else that character would play, though. You know, no. You know, it's you know he's a he's a media man. It's not going to be like a big hulking man with who's like serious crap. You know, he's he's going to be like kind of weedy, kind of like a little bit just like make you go ugh, and just a bit kind of like sniveling and you, <laughs> like that kind of like just annoying and you no know, that that kind of presence. Where I don't know, which understand is not a likable thing to have in your film but then again you are talking about your lead villain and i think it you know for a, for a film to have your, your major villain for you to actually despise every time he's on screen is a quite an effective thing so if you're like thinking i can't wait to see you get shot in the face you know that kind of <laughs> you know that kind of thing you know uh i think it's a it's effective it kind of helps carry the film along you know helps you like side with the, the hero in my speaking so i don't have too much an issue with uh, dave what do you think um, in all honesty, on Jonathan Price, I've sort of gone back and forth on it over the years. I, I, I don't know if it's a poor performance, a hammy performance. Um, he's clearly enjoying himself. Yeah, he's having or, a good time, isn't he? I think so. I think he's. In, I think he enjoyed doing this role. Uh, certainly, judging by what I saw, he did. There are a lot of lines where he's coming out with sort of press cliches. Hold the presses, this just in, that sort of thing. No news like bad news. And I'm not quite sure anyone would ever talk like that. <laughs> so he does. Um, we run into the repeating dialogue problems we get during the Brosnan era. Um, but I have to say, um, I've never not enjoyed this film. I've seen it many times on over the years on video. Well, I had the video, the VHS, and I've had the DVD. I've got the Blu-ray now. It's not a go-to Bond film for me. I don't think it stands out particularly. And with the ex- all right, there's a couple of good set pieces we'll get to, but when I think of the film, it's it's just kind of there. In it, but it's in. It, I've always enjoyed it. I've always enjoyed it. I've never wanted to switch it off. I've, I, you know, it has a strong. Like, it, it doesn't have a strong backbone, so it's not like it's like it has any sort of weight to it. Not like doesn't have a strong character. Yeah. It doesn't really massively stand out to me, which, as a film about a media baron, uh, I would think might do just a little bit more. But I've, I've, like I say, I'm, I'm kind of repeating myself. I've always enjoyed it. Fine. As we go through it, a lot of it doesn't make sense. A lot of it, a lot of individuals in the film and individual scenes, I will have problems with. But the film sweeps me along well, and. It's going to be a very one of the more difficult films in the series to rank because it doesn't stand out, but there's nothing in it that I hate. There's things in it I'm not that fond of, and there's things about it that I think are messy, but it's okay. Um, Brosnan is much, much better this time, I think, as well. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to going through the film with you guys, but, yeah, that, that's where I am. It's, it's kind of blandly enjoyable. Do you, do you, I think that's probably quite. I, I know exactly what you mean. I mean, I enjoy it a lot more, but um, I, I know exactly what Dave means. I, I, I do find it like if I was thinking where would I put it, and it, it would be like somewhere flat in the middle. But yeah. it, it's you know, yeah. but it, it, but it, it feels, it, it feels like it's to say it's very kind of by numbers, and and this it sounds sort of uh, you know, demeaning on the film, but it's. You know, but it, it, 
it kind of, as I say, you, you never kind of get bored of it. You just, you know, if if it's on telly, you kind of start watching it and you kind of stick with it. You know, it's not, you know, which I think is commendable. It's got a, it, it does have a lot of the, the flaws of the Brosnan era, but you can only get to them as you go through the film. But they're not, you know, this isn't the worst or best example of anything, really, which kind of makes it, a diff- like I say, a difficult film to rank, but we've got decent set pieces. It's better than Stop or My Mom Will Shoot. <laughs> um, it, Brosnan probably looks at his best in, in this time out that, than he ever will in the role. Um, and it, and it's, it's good, solid stuff. I would kind of argue that he looks a bit better next time when we do The World Is Enough. I think he kind of looks, he's a bit... I don't think he's fat in this role by any means, but he looks a lot leaner in the following film. I don't know why, if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, like I, thought, but it, I mean, it is this week and next week, though, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. You, you take your pick. But... Take your pick. Take your pick of the Bonds, but it looks good. But um, no, I was just looking up Roger Spottiswood, actually, the director, um, and randomly he directed Tuna and Hooch. That's two very different random films. Very odd. Sorry. Fun yeah, fact, kids. Um... Fun fact. I'd I'd have believed I believe Tom Hanks' love for Hooch more than I did Bonds for Paris Carver. <laughs> um, comparing Paris to Hooch. <laughs> yeah. Be, anyway, should we uh, should we go through? He did do um he did do a film with uh, Sidney Poitier as well, which I, I think is, is pretty decent. If I remember. No, he makes make some good films. I think. Um, um, I, I can't I can't remember what. Um... But he made Stop and My Mum Will Shoot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah he, he did do um, that. That's well, a big one that he's when you, for. I've started preparing for the next one as well, because we, we record on Sunday, uh, The World Is Not Enough. And so today I've listened to Roger Spottiswood's commentary and Michael Apted's on the next film. And I'll talk more about it next week, but it really does reveal their different approaches to filmmaking. Because Roger, Roger Spottiswood's, he clearly knows what he's doing, but it's a very technical um, commentary. I mean, the scene where Bond is with the sort of uh, the Danish lady at the start of the film brushing up on a little Danish. They're talking about the lenses they used and why and what the drawbacks are and how difficult it is for the actors because they need to be aware of range of movement. Michael Apted's commentary is all about relationships and impact and trying to get the story flowing. Well, he's very much drama. Um, yeah, exactly. So That's what I, I think he, I'm trying to say. This he's is quite a, interesting because he's known for the, um, is it 50 Up? Because he's more of a documentary director, isn't he? he? Yeah, he started with 7 Up and seven up, that so was on it. from there. Yeah, well, it's every seven years. Yeah, I actually, seven I actually, When I think of Michael Apted, I think of Gorillas in the Mist first. Yes. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Um, but the, this guy, I think, is stopping with all shoes. So. Or Air <laughs> There are a couple of things. I have to say I've never seen Air America. Um, no, I, I have to say there are a couple of tiny things he does stylistically I don't like. But, it, but he, he's not made an ugly film here. No. And he, and he hasn't particularly dropped the ball. So there are a few, a few odd shots okay. as we go along, but overall mm. it looks okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, should we, should we enjoy it in a sequential fashion? <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, yeah, we've got um, Bros's new um, gun barrel. What do you reckon? Uh, it's very traditional, isn't it? And we've obviously got Tom Arnold. Uh, Tom Arnold? What the fuck? Tom Arnold? <laughs> what the hell am I on? Oh. It was his gun barrel an episode of Roseanne. <laughs> David Arnold is uh, his younger brother. Um... <laughs> Where was he in it? Didn't even occur to me, David Arnold. I thought, why is he mentioning some fat bloke who was married to Roseanne? <laughs> yeah. Actually, um, wait, it's time. Tom yeah. Arnold's gun barrel. <laughs> That's the film I'd like to see. Yeah, def- yeah. Definitely. So yeah, um, yeah. We've got, obviously got uh, David Arnold coming up with a lot more traditional Bond score. 
So it is very much like as the. I think it's, this is the same one as Bo, uh, Bosn has from now on, isn't it? Now it's the same. It's, it's, it's been the same. You know, it's the same gun barrel every time out. Yeah. The difference is the music. Yeah, and the this, music's this the same. Is the isn't most, it? This is the music. This the music for the next two will be different again. It's different for every gun barrel. Oh, is it? But All right. This is this is probably the most relaxed arrangement. I think it sounds kind of quite. Um, yeah, it's kind of very sort of sleek, but it's also towards the end. It's quite sort of bombastic. As, I can't even say it. Bombastic as well. We're off to a cracking start. Yeah. <laughs> this bombastic storm <laughs> score by Tom Arnold. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, we I, I, really like, I really, I really do like this gun barrel. I've always liked this gun barrel. I like the way he moves, and this is quite a relaxed arrangement on it. But I can't make much more of it than that. It's not a huge standout example. No, it's it's over and done. You get straight to the first scene. Um, it's quite shiny. Yeah, and then you've you've got. Uh, was, it, was it open on the actual? Um... It opens on the terrorist arms bazaar. Yeah, yeah Russian border. So they tell us. Yeah, um, shot a long way before. I'm, I'm, I haven't researched this film massively, just because <gasps> what was the point? Just but, um, shocking. Uh, shocking. Well, there are a few things as we go through, but yeah. certainly um, in listening to the commentary, they shot this months before the rest of the film to try to ca- get the snow. So this was sat, shot about three months ahead of everything else. Um, and I quite like this as a pre-title. I think it's really pretty good. It, it kind of it kind of works as like as if it was Brosnan's first Bond film as well because you know we don't see Bond for quite a while but we get told that oh we have got a man on the ground you know yeah it's like and it's it's very kind of like deliberate so he's like builds up to this big reveal and it does feel like oh it's just this could work as his first Bond film it's also the first time I feel like I thought a Skyfall watching this because it's the first time I can think of and please correct me if I'm wrong because off the top of my head. That we're following the agent in the field, rather than him getting the mission and disappearing off. Yeah, that sounds about right. They're kind of following this in real oh, time. Oh yeah, yeah. So it's cutting back to. It starts, um, like, it starts like um, immediate reds, I guess, kind of like in the middle of something, an operation already ongoing. Yeah, yeah but they're all watching screens and talking to him. And, yeah, you know, it's going and, back to M in the. And it's a big incident room. I kind yeah. of like this. Mm. Yeah, you kind of you put it right in the middle of the action, aren't you? Kind of as a buzz going on, you're flitting back between Bond in the field and um, M and Admiral Roebuck. Um, and the first appearance of Robinson. Yeah, Colin Salmon. Colin Salmon. Uh, you were t- we were talking. You were talking about this earlier in the series, Becca. Him yeah, and, testing around here. Yes, and he also appeared on Strictly Come Dancing. <laughs> okay. That's a fun fact, kids. I've got more fun facts at the end of our discussion, but so I think, stay tuned. I think he was actually cast because uh, Michael Kitchen wasn't actually available to come back. That's to right. Tanner. Yeah, that should Tanner. have been Tanner. So yeah, he was a Tanner uh, replacement. Hence, pretty next much, time out, you both got both of them sort of trading lines. Mm. Yeah, so that's yeah. pretty good. So yeah, no, I, I like him in the role. You know, he's believable. Um, he puts in a solid performance, and yeah, you think of Robinson, you think of Colin Salmon. Yeah. Well, I I just think he's, he's really good in the role, and I I quite I rate him as an actor anyway. I think yeah, he's, he's really good. So, um, well, I, I always like to think of this title sequence as the um, as like a like a, like re, re, reunite. Uh, I can't get my words out. <laughs> Bloody hell! Um, uh, reuniting the cast of um, <laughs> of Taz Time Goes By. You know, it is, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We've also got. Um, well, I'll discuss it later on. You've got the. You've got a few cameos. Jared Butler, obviously. Julian Wynter. Um You've got a Downton Abbey connection as well. <laughs> Jared which Butler was... as the Scottish. You've got, you've got two. You've got two. Yeah. Uh, uh, Downton Abbey. Well, three. Actually, we got three actually. Yeah. 
But uh, Julian Phillips oh, yeah, was, was there. But, well, got four, was but the other one was Hugh, you see Hugh Bonville later on the Bedford. Yes, you do. But I shall discuss that later on in my top facts. I, I keep missing him. I keep missing him. Okay, so forget you heard that, listeners, and Becca will tell you about a Downton Abbey member you may not have noticed. <laughs> yeah, there, there, there's a fourth one in there that you may not have spotted. So the okay. one, the one that we haven't mentioned. It's that dog in it from the earlier. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not the dog, which also has the name of a terrorist organisation. No. <laughs> Yes. Anyway, um, so yeah, when we see when we see Bond, he basically punches his way out of, out of you know through through this mission, doesn't he? He does a lot of like punching and, and shooting in this movie. He shoots himself out of various situations. Uh, yeah, the, the the machine guns. I don't find it too annoying at this stage, but yeah, he's they are basically he's identified this arms bazaar. They're going to fire a missile um, at it, and then Bond points yeah. out that there's nukes in situ. Part of me always thinks, um, but don't nukes can only detonate if they actually are detonated themselves. They don't detonate if they exploded. Is that am I correct in saying that? I wouldn't know. Don't have a clue. I'm I'm always I've always thought that was the thing, and I'm not sure if that was like uh, like another thing I've seen from the movie. It probably is, but I always thought that nukes don't detonate if they are like like destroyed like by explosions or something like that. Is that they can only detonate when they are actually detonated themselves? I don't... Listeners, I if you're an explosive expert, let's yes. know. Yes, yes, please. If you're a if you're a terrorist, <laughs> <laughs> what, if you're a terrorist, don't. What, get... what are your tactics? When well, like, okay, but like it seems to be like a pretty desolate area. I don't see what the big problem with letting a nuke off. Like, you know, like. Maybe I'm being a little bit too like blase about uh, a new going off. Yes. Yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> and not only that, it would then. It, be, like, it the does the seem like be like Johnny English. It does. Yeah. It does seem like it's in the middle. I'm not saying it seems like. I I I don't see how anyone anything is near near here at all. Like, I don't know. You know, the way the way the film it looks, it looks like there there is actually it's surrounded by nothing. There is like nowhere. Yeah. Well. I suppose it will kill people, albeit most of them terrorists, yeah, terrorists but it will yeah. also kill it's, James it's like, Bond. It's the perfect location for Arms Bazaar, isn't it? You've got nobody for miles around. You can, I don't know. Difficult to market, though. Better to hold it in town. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... So, yeah, and then obviously, so they, they launch a missile, and but unfortunately, they wanted to be stopped. But yeah, missile out of range. So yeah, you've got, you've got the time. Um, this is convenient, ca- isn't it? It's like, countdown. oh, crap. <laughs> There's a countdown yeah. element there as well. There's a big red button as well. So like, oh. Bond has to get this out of... He needs to get out of there before the missile hits. Yeah. So the best way is to kind of... do It's essentially take the plane itself and fly the, the nukes out there. Uh, yeah. Out, yeah. out, out of that situation, yeah. Um, it's a very slick action scene. It's just very, like, fast, very kind of... It moves along really nicely. We get the debut. Well, not the debut. We had it last week, but we get a great example of the pain face. <laughs> the um, pain face. It, it, he, he's got a good payoff line at the end. It transitions into the credits nicely. What about the ejector seat thing? Or the backseat driver? Well, when, when he came uh, back... No, the payoff line was uh, yeah. White Rook to White Knight or whatever it was. Ask the Admiral where, where he'd like his bombs delivered. delivered. Yeah. Um, I, I, do, I, I, I do love that scene where it explodes and you kind of see, obviously you think, oh God, Bond's dead. Oh, I remember in the cinema my heart sank. I was like, oh no. And Judy um, Dench really sells it, doesn't she? She, she does. She really like, does sell it. That's gone wrong. And, um, and then of course he also, sails through. The way it's like, she uh, handles Admiral Roebuck is impressive. Brilliant. Yeah, I think she has a great line later on. It's like, oh, um, 
he goes, oh, you don't have the balls to do this job. And he's like, well, maybe, but perhaps I don't think, you know, I don't think with them all the time. She's like, yes. But what is he doing? His job? And it's like, I haven't got time for this. No, I've got time yeah. for your shit, Roebuck, you yeah. know. Yeah, it's a nice sort of, you know, you come back, for, you think, from last film where they're kind of butting heads. And it's just that other side of the fact that, well, she trusts him, you know, and she's like, it's yeah. just like that, this, she's fully behind another... of what he's doing. It's like, yeah. there's other services in the room yeah. as well, and he's her, he's her agent. Mm. So whatever she might think of him, and we've got no reason through this film to think it's anything other than positive, she'd stand up for him in that environment. It's yeah, very she's 100%. Much like, very much like Bernard Lee's M during Thunderball. It's like, well, if Bond says that, then... Then I'm going to go with it, so... Um, I think it's a microcosm of the film generally. I think it whips along very nicely. It's very good. I've got no great problems with it. I've got nice things to say about it. Uh, but if I was ranking like Bond pre-titles, I, I probably would forget this one for a bit. Because it's not, it's not one of the very best and it's not bad. Yeah, it, it does have the silly moment the jet seat and the guy going in the other chair and like, Ugh! and it just shouldn't that have like ripped Brosnan's head off? With yeah, it? surely. Well, it's like I just think, well, surely that wouldn't sort of wouldn't that the guy wouldn't sort of go go through the the roof of the of the plane? Yeah, he should just bounce off. Yeah, not, not end up in the passenger yeah. seat. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just yeah, you know, it's just it's it's it, it, it also it turns into like wacky races. It's like Looney Tunes. It's you know, it's like a bit. Well, but whatever, yeah. This this script was cobbled together quite late, though, because the original version was um, going to be around the handback of Hong Kong. And it does what, you know, very zero minus ten, which was one of the continuation novels from around this time. But the handover of Hong Kong was in the summer of 97. So it would have already been out of date. And I think even had you done something set that summer... I think they just thought it was politically there were too many tensions around it. So they put together a script very, very quickly for this film. And Brosnan himself says that when when he got to the set, the script wasn't ready. He, and he knew the film wasn't in as good a place as, as Goldeneye had been at the same point. So which, I is, think which is odd, because Goldeneye find makes no sense, like plot-wise. No, but obviously Brosnan's very proud of it and, and very proud of the res- response, and it was well-received. He enjoyed working with Martin Campbell. I think, you know, he's very proud of Goldeneye, so w- whatever we thought think about it, I think that would be what he would say anyway. Mm-hmm. But I think it's also from the perspective of how ready they were to go. They yeah. started with Goldeneye ready to go. They started this film with sort of partial a partial script. And were writing as they went along. Now, I don't think it was quite Quantum of Solace where the actors are writing on set, but certainly the film was being developed as they went along. And results when you do that can vary because some of the Bourne films have done that and come out very well. Yeah, it depends on how it goes down. Obviously, because they had casting issues as well, like um, Terry Hatcher and John Price and that hadn't went on board. You know, by, by that point, they came on quite late, didn't they? And... Yeah, I'm still wishing Terry Hatcher hadn't, but... You know, mm, uh, yeah, a, I think we'll discuss her role later on, but I think she was quite disappointed with it overall, wasn't she? So, cause she, kind um, of... she was a twat, but we'll get back to that. <gasps> oh, okay. <laughs> I wasn't expecting that. Okay. Um, so yeah, I, I edit it now, so it, she will remain a twat on the final <laughs> you'll put You'll put emphasis on it, it'll be like, <laughs> yes, I'll, I'll increase the volume. Fine. It'll be she's a twat. <laughs> <laughs> in my ear oh my god <laughs> um, so, uh, okay so um, title sequence now I, I don't know why I've just realised this but the well, the way Daniel Kleiman goes into his title sequences he always kind of like in, like 
infuses the the ending of the opening sequence in with the actual um the his sequences himself so last week we've got the explosion coming off in that gun barrel with the bullet heading yeah. towards you this Next week, week it'll be the puddle i think at the funeral Yes. Yeah, well, no, it's uh, it's Bond hanging off the O2 arena. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, so going, sorry, going that after, sorry, that comes, comes off the title. Yeah, sorry, yeah. But, yeah, it is. It's Bond yeah, hanging off um, the O2. Yeah. That, uh, Dino of the Day is yeah, is well, I think the whole sequence is kind of infused with well, the, the whole film's torture. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, and then it's, it's the first time you see that kind of it's part of the actual film itself, isn't it? Rather yeah. than a separate title sequence. And so. then, and then Casino Royale, the gun barrel. Obviously, uh, I'm not too sure about Quantum. I can't quite remember how that goes. Into, well, it's, but... it's done by a different person, different company altogether, isn't it? It's no, not it's, done by. It's done by MK12. It's the only one that hasn't been him. I don't All like right. it. Okay. Um, yeah. I'll we'll notice when we get there, and it's crap. <laughs> we'll discuss that in a few weeks' time, folks. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'll explain that. Way. Anyway, but yeah, basically, Daniel Craig always like breaks, um, like sort of infuses the scene he into runs his. This really great. Yeah. yeah, it's great. What do you reckon to the design of it? There's like a, obviously theme, lots of like, X-rays of like crops. It's guns, just TVs. again, it's just thoughts gone into it. I mean, I don't think there's actually like a strong theme. It's just like different sort of like he's just had loads of ideas, and he's just sort of like carried it through. And it, it still like looks great, and it's like, oh, that's interesting. Oh, okay, so there's lots of guns, lots of like, um, lots well, of the like, idea, technology I, kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I've never boards. got this. The idea was meant to be going through the TV, yeah, and to sort of the circuit boards. Well, because you, you see, you see a bullet kind of course through the kind of, um, I guess it's, it's the RGB of the old cathode ray TVs, um, and that's that's a really good effect. I think I think it's quite clever. And I like the um, yeah the X rays of, of the circuit boards. Um, and this would look good, quite good in 3D because there's like a um, X-ray of a pistol that's kind of nearly comes out the screen. So I think that would be pretty cool. But it's, it's a really nice, um, really nice effect, I think. Uh, what do you think of the song? Fucking awful. <laughs> <laughs> the song's all right. It's just Cheryl Crow, not the right person for it. Oh yeah, this is, I, I like Cheryl Crow, but I didn't imagine her singing like a, a Bond theme. But it's kind of it's middle of the road. It's all right. I don't. I don't love it, but I don't dislike it. The song would be really good if it was like someone who could sing. But then we've got Katie Lang's song at the end, so you got which I'm like... not, which I'm not actually that fond of the song. Although it no. will go on the intro to this, just because I don't like this song. I'll, I'll, no. I'll, I'll be um, the road. It's it's kind of popular um, to say that Katie Lang should should have been the, the main um, song for this. I don't it, think it would fit. It sounds more like a typical Bond song. Yeah, isn't it? I, 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 actually, out there. I actually prefer the Shell Crow version myself. Um, uh, no, I think I'd agree. Actually, I think I think this suits. Me three. Uh, uh, yeah, no, I, I think it suits better. It's just sung by the wrong person. Yeah. And Katie think... Lang would not have suited this song. It would be no. in the wrong key for her. Mm. Yeah, definitely. So, which one do I prefer? Well. On their own, divorced from everything, I'll take the KD Lang song because she's far more talented. But they've got them the right way round if you're going to use these two. But this one won't go on our intro because it just annoys me that they use Cheryl Crow. Yes, it's probably not one of their best songs, but I, I can't remember where it charted at the time. Who do you think should have sang it? Oh, that's a good question. Well, you got the voice of an angel, Chris. Yeah, you could have do only, it. You'd have only been about four, you know, 15. So. Travel back in time. Yeah. I don't know, to be honest with you. It's, it's almost any one I mean, part. apparently Pulp was going to... Well, Pulp was considered... That was a different song. Yeah, it's a completely different song. Uh, uh, with, it, with this film's original name. Or Tomorrow Never Lies? Yeah, it was. Yeah, that's the one. 
That would have been very interesting, wouldn't it? Because it was a, a script typo or something. That yeah, apparently. Yeah. They took the title based on the Beatles song Tomorrow Never Knows. That's yes. where they got the idea from. Yep. And it was Tomorrow Never Lies until it sort of faxed through not looking right or with a typo or something. And they went with it. And it just adds to the idea that like Brosnan's era has got no real authorship to it. It's just got this mismatch and I think all of his titles really Golden Eye, yeah, it's got a Fleming connection, but Tomorrow Never Dies, Die Another Day, they're all a bit well, Dying. Sounds, va- sounds vaguely <laughs> like a Bond title, doesn't it? Doesn't make any sense. It's got to include death well, in there somewhere. Well the world is not enough is a good one as well because it's obviously is Yes, but it yet. doesn't suit my argument, Chris, so no, I didn't well, okay, bring, fair it, enough. So I just bring it up. I just I just researched it and in nineteen ninety seven it reached number twelve in the UK singles chart. So that tells you what you need to know, I guess. It also tells listeners that when we refer to research, what we're actually talking is about two seconds of looking at something. <laughs> so don't, don't big it up in your minds too much. But, According to Wikipedia. <laughs> but I, I do remember... I've just researched it. <laughs> I just looked up on Google and it says that this happened, so, you know. I mean, like... top research. Even at, even at that time, from go from, like, Teen Turner to this, it's like, really? Show yeah, grow? Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it was kind of popular it's at the time as well, I, I isn't it, so... I haven't really got any great problem with Cheryl Crow, just not for this. She's no, just is... not right for this at all. It's an odd, yeah, an odd choice. Mm. But anyway, I... so you, should we move on? They should have gone with the Ace of Base. <laughs> <Ace of Base. laughs> Pole pulled away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what are the credits to the South China Seas and the HMS Devonshire? Yeah, I always get sort of familiar um, Spy Love Me uh, vibe from this because obviously it's like similar sort of um, like ship. Like submarine, you know, see, you see all the other people on board, and it gets attacked, and they all sing. I always get feel like it has a, a, a similar sort of vibe to. Vibe I agree, to but yeah. the uh, the cameo we see in a minute of Gerard Butler, he's not using a Tommy Activity Center. No. <laughs> he's barely recognisable as well. I mean, he's only he, he looks he, so he, young. He's so in young, it for like yeah. three seconds. But... Yes, he basically tells the captain the ship's gone down like fourteen degrees or oh, something degrees like that. Did he not say, I "Can he do it, Captain"? No, no because he's, he's not Scottish. <laughs> <laughs> he may as well be. Accent, hasn't he? He may as well, well be. Be- well, because all Scottish people are the same. Is that what you're saying, Chris? <laughs> no, maybe two. No, I'm kidding. Um... <laughs> <laughs> anyway, backpedaling, backpedaling, uh, <laughs> No. Um, yeah, so yeah, I. I I, I I enjoy the scene. I, I do wonder uh, why machine gunning people and like yeah. How how does Stamper know exactly how many survivors by machine gunning just a few people? I don't see and the like, point. Why would you leave anybody? Yeah, but I I don't really get it. I, I... Well, he's doing it just for, yeah. the, for the headlines for Carver's headlines, isn't he? Pretty much. So yeah, just... but the headline could happily be they're all dead. Yeah, he could make it up. So, but he's just a bastard. But anyway. <laughs> Yeah, I, I like I like how we're kind of like in the scene we're kind of drip fed bits like you see like the side of Carver's face are kind of by shadow and you kind of drip fed him a little bit you're not kind of introduced to his grand quite quite like away. I think it's quite clever. Yeah, the way it's done. So you kind of like, like that. you aren't giving it all at once. Yeah, and um... and Stampers, I, I must confess, is probably one of the most well most least memorable. <laughs> I was going to say most least memorable. Um, I don't like him at all. Is no, he's not one of my favourite henchmen in terms of all like the blonde, muscly ones that they've been throughout the series. No, he's kept he's down toward the bottom of the pile. I just don't like his line delivery through most of it, and and some of the faces he pulls as we go through the film. And... I decided he has worse pain faces, him or Brother. 
well, there's there's at least an explanation for his, which we'll get to. Yeah, definitely. A bit later in the film. Yeah. But I'm not a big fan of, I'm not a big fan of any of the villains here. But in in idea, more in execution, I'm kind of with this. How do you think the CGI looks in this film with the the sea drill? Um, and when the divers are sent down, what do you reckon? I think the CGI holds up certainly on Blu-ray. I think when the divers go down, I mean this this ship sinks in record time. By yeah, the way, it's pretty fast, isn't it? Uh, that's a mod. That's a model. Oh, of course, yeah. That's a model, and they use the big forty-foot tank at the uh, somewhere. I think yeah. it was at the uh, at the 007 tank. I think you referred to it as a must be a, a pine wood or something. It is. But in terms then, of like the, the CGI itself, obviously that's that's CGI. That's, yeah. that's a real thing. The only yeah. CGI that looked bad here, I thought, in this film noticeably was explosions. Mm-hmm. You had explosions where like the fire would go up and then like disappear very quickly, and it just looked very computer. Yeah. But it's okay. It doesn't. There, there isn't. There isn't. It's not an American werewolf in Paris. Let's put it that way. No. <laughs> for, you know, for for nineties ninety seven. I think kind of because it's very sort of fast paced as well. It kind of just gets away with it. It's like it's like oh that's a bit. Much, that's, oh wait, never mind. We'll, we're out of the scene. That's now, true. Anyway. That's true of the plot to some yeah. degree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cuts along too quickly. So. Yeah. Absolutely. So uh, yeah. So uh, we so they we get introduced to uh, Jonathan Price. As, uh, with his media conference, as a little bit of golden retrievers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is this is where it, it becomes very love it or hate it. To be honest with you, because I find him talking to his, his acolytes really irritating. But if you go with out. this, yeah, you might really enjoy him. Well, the idea—I think the idea was was essentially okay. Well, who would be a, like a plausible Bond villain now? And they just thought, oh. A guy who like media brand, people who own newspapers mm. and t- and and TV stations, and yeah, he's a kind of like William Randolph Hearst, yeah. slash Murdoch, slash possibly a hint of Robert Maxwell. Slash might be a Robert Maxwell. I think that's um, what they were going for, weren't they? That's what uh, they were Maxwell. going for at the end of the film. We'll Definitely. come back to that. Um, <laughs> first choice, first choice for this again, Anthony Hopkins. Yeah, they really wanted him, didn't they? They really that's wanted him to be in a Bond film, just because obviously being Hannibal Lecter a few years prior, so. Do you think Anthony Hopkins would have done a better job with this? I don't think he would have done, to be honest with you. Depends what Anthony Hopkins turns up. Obviously, the actor. I don't mean like Anthony Hopkins the butcher, but um, but it's maybe. Very... I, I would just, if, I would if just he see phones him... him. If he phones it in, he's worse. If he genuinely turns up really keen, I think he's better. I I just think he would just he would just do exactly the same as John Price would do. Just ham it up and just be like dead. Sort of over the top. Have a good, have a good time with it. Yeah, he would, I think he would play it exactly the same because I don't think you can really play this role any other way. I think you know well, he, mean? Did, he, he was concerned about start. From what I've heard, that Anthony Hopkins was nervy going without a script, which is understandable. Did, yeah, yeah, I, I don't blame. Yeah, um, I don't know that you can. I think this character is defined by. I mean, You've got two choices with this sort of dialogue, haven't you? You've either got to sort of look a bit embarrassed about it or really own it. And he decides to really own it, and I do kind of respect that. Yeah, so he does have some really cheesy lines, also like, you know, no news is bad news and all that kind of And thing. he really is like, bad news. He really Bad news, say. yeah. He's just like, oh, like, there's no cringe. news. Like, bad news. That's the one. That's the one. <laughs> he's, he's there, he's like clutching his little computer screen, like, as if he's like, oh. Like that's, that's, that's the one. That's the one thing that kind of really annoys me. Obviously, he's got this wireless keyboard, I guess, and he's, he, he, he does that <laughs> all with one hand, and it's like what? 
Well, it's amazing the things you punched, learn to do one-handed when you're a man, Becca. <laughs> I just, I just find it quite just ridiculous to do that because he's like going, yeah, mashing the keyboard. I mean, once you've developed that strength in your wrist. Anyway, carry on. Oh, I can see how I managed to get Terry Thatcher as a wife. Oh dear. Um, anyway, <laughs> so jerking get... off. Anyway, moving on. Michael G. Wilson has a speaking role in this cameo this time round. He does, and it's awful. Goodness, <laughs> I'm slime. Yeah, he should never speak in a Bond film ever again. I, oh. I, 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 I just like, I just like, like, like him in the kind of like a Hitchcock cameo. We just see him. Yeah, he's... yeah. Though he kind of gets away in License to Kill because he's like just a voice on a radio. Yeah, you know, I've noticed this cameo in the world is not enough for the first time tonight, and it's and it's just woefully inappropriate. Book. I don't think I can remember it. I'll have to watch it. When I will just sorry to jump forward to the next film, but when um, Electra goes to see um, Valentin Sikovsky, he's one of the doormen. Of course he is, yes. So you got some big strapping fella next to him and Michael G. Wilson as the two bouncers. Not looking, looking, not looking look the part. Right once you know, is it? <laughs> I should look out for him. Yeah. That shows me how memorable it is. Oh, I'd probably remember this one. I only noticed it because I was listening to the commentary, so he, he outright, like, um, I think it, Michael App did outright mentioned it. So what, something that, that occurred to me, obviously Bond films always try and stay current obviously by this point the handover from china would have been outdated. um but obviously now we have social social i can't even talk social now media social media yeah and twitter and facebook and stuff um it's a little bit out of date you know he wants his like film tv radio um do you think somebody like elliot carver could could you know stand up like today or obviously he'd add uh, picture on facebook to his think so it's a bit outlandish it, it a bit out of date by now do you reckon i, I think the, the problem I, i've had with it i think it's just the problem back then it's just like Okay, so you want to make a war? You want you want to go into make a war just for ratings, and World it's just rights in yeah. China. Yeah, uh, I suppose there's I'm that not as sure well. how much se- I don't know how much sense that really makes. You find that out quite late, really, don't you? But it's you kind of it, it's okay. kind of to, he's, well, it does kind of make sense because what he's trying to do is engineer a coup to get General Chang in charge, and in return, he'll give him the he will give him rights. the exclusive broadcast rights. Um, General Chang's a bit of a nobody. I mean, in terms of our media barons still powerful, yes. yes. Has it been counteracted by social media to some degree? Yes. But I think what the papers have to say still have yeah. a lot of sway. It still stands, doesn't it? I think people um, still outraged by what I think about like, the Daily Mail. Yeah, and I, I mean, I mean, at the moment, if I mean the Chinese Grand Prix is about to happen, and there's journalists over there at the at the moment trying to get around their firewalls. You can't yes. use Twitter and blog and things like that. Great firewall of China. So the, the, the more the <laughs> that's more, what it's called. That's what no, it's called. It is. <laughs> the more general point about trying to open up China still stands. Yeah, definitely. I think it's quite interesting that it's, it still holds up. I think. Yeah, I mean, don't forget the, the plot of Goldfinger was out of date after months when they <laughs> when they abandoned the gold standard. So, oh. um, <laughs> so no. It, I, I don't really have a problem with the ge- the general idea of this plot and, you know, why not try to make it relevant? License to Kill did the same sort of thing. View to a Kill did in some ways. You know, trying to reflect some of the concerns of the world at the time. But th- Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm fine with it. And I think what helps is it kind of suits the film as a whole anyway. It kind of suits the whole general tone and the vibe of the film. Even if it is just across as a bit silly... A little bit far fetched, you, you kind of go, yeah, what the hell? 
You know, it's, yes, it's, it it's that kind of it's that kind of thing. You know, it's just like okay. I think the only thing that that bothers me about it, and it, it's a more general point, it doesn't bother me within the confines of the film. It's more the fact that I, I do find Brosnan's era now, looking back on it, a little bit desperate, a little bit desperate to sort of keep up with the times. Hence, all the machine guns and everything else. I mean, and I, I think I think that the the thing the thing of the day, which Bond has been doing for a while, is. Is particularly writ large in his era. I, th- I think. I think the only Brosnan one that's guilty of that would be Dying of a Day. Um, the I think this one I think had a lot more. I mean, I felt because I remember I remember it kind of strongly at the time as well. I, I it just seemed like it felt like very like oh well Brosnan's back and we can now relax a bit more and then we'll just give everyone like a bunch of action scenes and everyone have a good time. I think it's it the bunch felt... of action scenes, Chris. It isn't just the theme. This yeah. film is structured like a 90s action film. Yeah. And, you yeah, know, that's, which, it. that's it. Which is kind of appropriate because yeah. it is. Yeah. But you see what I mean. I think it's dating his films a little bit. It's very... Also, I've got no problem with it, but it is very action heavy. Um, yeah. It just lurches from one action scene to another. Um, and it's kind of like... It's probably why I like it so much. It's just like... Yeah. I mean, I, mean, I think... Well, it's, it's not a criticism. I mean, it does feel like... I think particularly as you get towards the end, it's literally just like action scene followed by an action scene followed by an action scene. Yeah. Followed by, you know, it is pretty much like, oh, wow, there's a, there's a fucking lot on this. You know, um, which is quite impressive considering, I mean, maybe maybe because the script wasn't all there, they just thought, ah, we'll make up an action scene. <laughs> but, um, but uh, again, yeah. it's one of the things that within his films themselves, I kind of think he's all right. Um, but then you go back and look on it now, and it does feel like you can set your watch by them. Yeah. It, it, and I said last week about Goldeneye feeling like product. The Bond films are product. We know that. But I just, there doesn't seem to be a lot of soul to this film. And I think a lot of that is because it's rushed. They needed to, you know, they've got the release date. And the script isn't ready, but it's still it's still coming out. And what they've cobbled together is good, but that's all it is. So moving on. We go to Oxford and we see Bond brushing up on a little Danish. <laughs> was it? Wasn't she? That was that. Uh, 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 Brian Adams' current girlfriend at the time, or something like that. Oh really? Yeah. Didn't uh, know that. Yeah. This I, was I, after he shagged Princess Diana. Then. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, carry on. <laughs> Another fun fact. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That I didn't know. <laughs> no, I didn't know that either. That was a bit but, through me, that one. Anyway. Uh, yeah, but I, I think I apparently think that was like uh, the girlfriend at the time. I don't know, maybe they still together. Probably not. But uh, anyway. Um, so I, I, remember, I remember seeing her on um, Inside the Actor Studio, I think. It was obviously when Brosnan she was in the audience because yeah, she was cause, working at the Actor Studio. Yeah, she was, was she not a student or she was working at there? She was like, oh, do you remember me? You know. So and he was like, yes! <laughs> of course I remember you. <laughs> Well, well, they that, that, that they asked Brosnan what he thought of such scenes, and he was like, "I love them." <laughs> but if you can track down that episode, listeners, I highly recommend it. It's, it's just cracking. It's a good interview. Um, so anyway, yeah, I, I had the the phone that he has. Um, the Sony Ericsson movies. I was um, Sony Ericsson phones throughout the Brosnan films. I had those as they went along, and I was like, "Oh, I got the phone." Sadly, it didn't have a fingerprint scanner or the rest of it, but it was a cool phone. I, I didn't have electronic thing that sort of. <laughs> No, it didn't. It didn't have all the gadgets, but it was, you know, other phones are available. Um... <laughs> I mean, sorry, who has an Ericsson now these days? Come on. <laughs> Sony, still... Well, Sony now, isn't it? So... 
I mean, are they, are they, can you actually get an Ericsson these days? I don't think you can. I don't think they exist don't, anymore. Don't know. Um, <laughs> yeah, anyway. Yeah, so uh, he's pushed up in a little Danish. Uh, he's calling to M, and M sends him on his mission. Isn't that, isn't that kind of right? We kind of get... They get sort of... A word that... Um, some sort of... Something to do with Carver's satellite. Yeah, some push-off course, I think. So... But I yeah. like um I like Money Penny's line. Oh yes, yes. <laughs> the one you said. How many times have you said this? Like pumping from information. Like pumping from more. Oh no, that that comes later on. Um yeah, it's always like oh you always wear a cunning linguist, James. Oh right. <laughs> she yeah, has so... some really good lines in this yeah, film. It's a bit forced, isn't it? It is, but it's just it's like. Bit... I mean, I don't know if we were talking about that on set. I don't know if we said we really got to have a pussy eating joke here. So yeah, this is it. This is you know all that um new one point. I, I, I tell you what, I kind of preferred. What is is the thing afterwards where she just literally just gets off the phone and uh, there's M and she just goes, "Don't ask." She says, "Don't tell." Uh, yeah, don't uh, tell. Kind, of, kind of like I like how that played, but um, yeah, yeah, that's brilliant, isn't it? That's a good one. So um, it's like, it's like yeah, uh, uh, so you don't ask because I, I don't even want to know that kind of thing. Um, no, <laughs> don't even want to know. Like another shot of um, Somerset House in this scene as well, and you hear the Bond theme on the guitar, which is very cool. Um, so yeah, we could, yeah we didn't have the traditional briefing in M's office, did we? Like we did last time in Golden Eye, kind of have an en route in the back of a car type job. Yeah, um, which adds a bit of momentum as well. It's like you know, I think it kind of suits. Like, it's like yeah, I like we're it moving. In theory, except I've only noticed tonight M's holding a drink. Yeah, and, she's having and, a... and the way she sat really back in her seat. It's like fuck it, I ain't driving. Let's get this. <laughs> <laughs> if they have to break suddenly, that's going to go all over her. You well, know? she's she's, crack, she's cracking out the bourbon like, uh, last week, wasn't she? In the she in was. Golden Eye. Just, I'm pretty sure she must drink in the next one. I'm sure. I think she probably does it most of them, doesn't she? I think. I'm not really paying attention. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Judy Jones is alcoholic. The way you just pronounced it is probably the way she would pronounce her name if she was an alcoholic, Chris. <laughs> you did kind of, you did kind of go Judy Jones. She's probably Judy an Jens. alcoholic. You're slurring her words. <laughs> well, you know. Uh, I've, I've been, I've been, I've been up all day, so. <laughs> You've been working hard. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah, it's okay. It's fine. It's fine. So, um, yeah. So, Judy uh, Jones is uh, <laughs> is giving uh, James Bond his briefing, and uh, yeah, and basically, sort of, she, she tells him, "Oh, you, uh, you've previously dated uh, Elliot's current wife. Uh, was it Paris? You know, which is okay. I suppose it's like a Bond name at the time. Uh, years before we know who Paris Hilton was, I guess. Oh." I think it's kind of, but um, now this is one of the things that I'd never really got. I, I've never believed why, how someone like I mean, forget what you, you might think of like uh, uh, Terry Hatcher, but why would that character be married to that character? It's never really clear. I don't never really got it. It's trying to like there's billions of dollars. Well, I don't know. Yeah, but that just yeah. But he's the, a lot older than she is. Well, yeah, but it's not just the fact that he's older. It's just like why, why, you know, you don't. Why? Sh- you don't sh- What's the attraction? Yeah, you don't strike me the fact. Yeah, you know, I mean, like I think the scene later on, and there's something like, oh, well, he he loved me. It was like, well, I'm just trying to really. Remember. I mean, he is a bit of a psychopath. Like, it's the um, it's his riches. It must be. That's the only reason I can think. We don't really hear a backstory to that. I, I honestly, I must. I read the novelization years ago. Um, I can't. I, I must, you know, read it again and remember if there's anything in the novel about it. 
probably um, isn't. <laughs> no, there, there probably isn't very much at all. I do, I do know they also they go into more about like Carver, and he's got some some affliction called TMJ, something to do with his jaw. Um, so that kind of fleshes his character out a little bit more. But I can't remember if there's anything about the backstory about her, his and Paris's relationship. But yeah, it's, it seems quite an odd. Um, it's, just, it's just very thrown in. It's just like okay, well, I never really got reason why. I can never, I can never see them as a a couple period, you know, no, rather, rather than like a not even just like a bad relationship. I don't really see it as a relationship. It's just like I just don't see it. I'm sure Dave agrees, but <laughs> what do you reckon, Dave? Do you see chemistry between them? No, I don't see any chemistry between them at all. But no. you, you know, Jerry Hall has just married um, Rupert Murdoch. Well, there we are. <laughs> So yeah, but know, they, yeah, that is more. They, they might be. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not impugning their marriage, but no. Bernie Eccleston's married to a much younger woman. It, it's not uncommon. No, it's, um, it's, it's not the hatred. It's just it's the characterization. I just don't understand why that character would marry that character. You know, there's no, there's no tie because there. there is. Yeah, but there is no characterization. Oh yeah, that's probably yeah. There, there is none. All we know is she's an ex, is ex of Bond. She might have been a mess for all we know. She might be money hungry. She might be thoroughly decent and got messed up by Bond leaving. She's a gold digger. It, it could be anything. And we don't know because the film never, never characterises her. I find it sold easier that she might be a gold digger just because Terry Hatcher say, shares that sort of trait that I think Catherine Zeta-Jones has, that what they're like in, in real life, I don't know, but they don't have a particularly likeable screen presence. So are you a I fan can, of Terry yeah. Hatcher then? Not at all. I, I think I, I've, I, you know, I never watched Superman, oh, but I'm aware. I'm, I'm aware of her reputation as being extremely difficult to work with. I'm aware of her reputation on this film and how she reportedly behaved. Um, and I just don't think it's the same as I say. Catherine Zeta-Jones is exactly the same. Whenever I watch her in anything, she's just fundamentally not a likable screen presence. And I think the same is true of Terry Hatcher. So I don't believe for a second Bond would have ever loved this woman because I just she doesn't come off as that's the sort of woman that would interest him in the slightest. But it is quite angle, a it they? is quite a slight role. So well, I don't know if they do sorry. because when 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 they go to, when she goes to his room later, she goes, "Oh, did uh, I get too close?" And he comfort? says yes, but he says yes because he's got a pumper for information. I think the way the, play, the scene is played, and obviously the way Brosnan plays, because you know, Brosnan just plays the, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm the, the badass secret agent with a heart of gold, to, to, to be sure, to be sure, you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like it's like oh, but my, my heart melts slightly because I'm, yeah, I'm a hopeless romantic. Um, he is, he, he does seem wounded a little bit by it, so it's like yeah, yeah, you kind of. So I, from what I gather from what the film is, it's like this is like. Another potential lost love or bond, which is kind of unearned, really, because about that time she's actually in it. Um, and what we're told, mm, I, I'm not convinced by that at all. I just don't think most men like being slapped in the face publicly. <laughs> I don't, I don't really buy it at all. I, I, maybe it's just confusion between different versions of the script, but it suits the mission. He has to go and. Uh, make reactivate some interest in him from this woman, and he hurt her. So he he has to take the slap. He has to take the slap with a bit of grace. Um, well, a slap. That's a brilliant moment in the movie. Uh, yeah. I'm not sure about the way it's played. It's like know, yeah, he's just... he's meant to be like pretending to be some sort of banker, and then he which, which he blows his cover instantly. Yeah. 
<laughs> Mr. It's Bond the banker. Just, no. It's just dumb. He just goes there. Fine, he's called James Bond. That's fine, because thankfully in this era, James Bond isn't a celebrity. It's one of the worst so he, covers ever. But he go, Yeah, but he's called James Bond. That's fine. He's got a cover that turns out to be too good. But the first thing he says is uh, he goads Elliot, who I presume, and let, he's not he's not a he's not an accountant. He's a banker, so I, it, it's not like he's coming in to audit. I don't think if he's a banker, I'm presuming he's working, supposed to be working for Elliot. Do you stand there at a party when he's surrounded by various people and kind of start goading him? He starts goading him on changing the course of governments or a ship, and then he says. Or a cast adrift, and then he openly gives Paris a look right in front of her husband, and I just think this is really stupid. All, <laughs> all round, yeah. blows his cover instantly, and by association, really implicates Paris. He gets her killed, but at least he gets to like kiss the <laughs> Yeah, we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. That's pretty creepy. Yeah. Yeah, you you think yeah you think like he could have had a threesome with two corpses later, couldn't he? Oh bloody hell! (laughs) I don't know if he likes boy girl corpses for his threesome (laughs) or girl girl corpses for his. (laughs) A sandwich, a corp sandwich, (laughs) and he's and he's a living meat in the middle. Yeah, Um... nice warm filling. They have nightmares, kids. Uh, oh, yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, he gets it. He, he gets in. Um, he, we get introduced. Does he? <laughs> yes. He, get, he gets into that uh, big presentation thing that the card is yeah. doing. We've had the, there's a there's a cue scene in the middle of that, isn't there? Oh yeah, we skipped the cue scene. Uh, we best go back to the cue scene then. Okay. He gets his BMW 750 remote control car. Best gadget in the movie. Yeah, pity it's a really quite boring saloon car. Yes, it's, it's quite an old, it's quite an old car now. Um, but I think that's pretty cool. Like it's remote control, does all these things, and I love how um, you know he's like, oh, it's, it's quite hard to drive, and he's like, no, I'll, I'll give it a go. And I, I think he... that's meant to be a play on uh, Desmond Yuen himself because he's quite, he's never really good at gadgets. No, even Can't yeah, even though he was cute, he was yeah, he was a bit of a technophobe, wasn't he? Bless him. But, but yeah, but better shot than last week. Lots of lots of quick cuts, you know, that's very it. short, very short shots. I love, Lots in the, of I, close. I love in the background as well. You've got like, oh, um, you know, the, the oh, insurance waiver for your car. That's basically, okay, you know, like fire, you know, damage or everything. And you can hear the little orchestra kind of, I don't know, swells or pops, whatever they're called in the background. It's quite fun. It's a nice little touch. There's little things in this sequence just before Q turns up as well that are kind of. I mean, by the time App Dead, when he, again, I don't want to tread on next week too much, but App Dead several times during his commentary for the next film talks about how. Um, Brosnan wanted a more meaty role, more really good character scenes and, and you know character development and so on. And that he's trying to put something that isn't there. I mean, it, it, the script sends him to Hamburg, I think it is, to uh, and he's got to stay at the at the railway station plane, you know, terminal, whatever it is. He has to like pick up this car from Q, but he know he picks up a copy of Tomorrow, the newspaper where the title comes from, Elliot Carver's newspaper. And as he goes back and he he speaks to the woman just to say, "Is my car rental here?" And he turns around and has a look at the sort of newspaper stand, and he just wears this world weary look. 
and I don't know if you've ever noticed it. Yeah, he does it's, look a little bit like that, doesn't he? It's a little bit like, here we go again, or this is what an imposition this is going to be, or how this is tough, or there's a lot riding on this. You can read lots of things into a look, but there's just like a world weariness to it that we see again later when he sat in his hotel room. And I just think there's glimpses in things like that of what Brosnan could have been as Bond. Definitely. But, but I do yeah. like QC. Yes, it was a very brief kind of cue scene. But yeah, I think from there we go to um, Berlin and to the whole presentation. I also see Michelle Yeoh with a uh, portrayal of Waylin. I, I think she's I really like, to her. I really like uh, Waylin. I, I think Michelle Yeoh kind of steals the film um, by by the uh, the last half of the film, I think. She pretty much, like, as soon as her character becomes more prominent, it's, I think it's pretty much, it, it's, it is like a... A partnership. It's pretty much like you know, her and Brosnan have got equal kind of time together. But um, you kind of like, wow, who's this? Who's this? You know, who's this Wailing chick? She's she's fucking badass. I mean, she yeah, she, she kicks ass, doesn't she? she? I mean, I mean, there are moments where Brosnan, bless him, he doesn't look convincing firing a gun like all all over the place. <laughs> yeah, but like, <laughs> but uh, Michelle Yeoh is uh, is pretty much a pro at it, and uh, she's just great. I think. Strong hint as well that Elliot Carver's a womanizer, so it's it's supposed to add to Paris's pain. Mm-hmm. Not only struck in a bit stuck in a bit of a loveless marriage that we kind of can infer was a bit of a rebound. Oh, from, must get from you behind the desk and... But mm. he is very office? strongly trying to smooth with women. Mm. Uh, yeah, definitely. I I think that's definitely the way they introduce Waylin is meant to certainly sting. Paris a little. Yeah, trying to flesh her out just a little bit, but I also mm-hmm. like how her character is basically she's like one step ahead of Bond. She is. Yeah, they always keep on kind of meeting each other in these moments, don't they? Kind of Yeah. She's just... quite often their first specific example coming up later where you just think and, well, and, she and must it... have done a much better job. Yeah, Bond. yeah, yeah well, no, no, that's the thing, is. like Bond's just like coming in just like oh oh oh, oh shit, okay, well like going cack handedly and she's actually doing things right. Scaling like, walls. Yes. And... Well, we'll come to it when we talk about the uh, the, the decoder, the, the thing that sends them off offline, because there's things around that that I think Bond does really well, and the film plots quite well, and then it's completely undermined by the way Wei Lin's brought into it. But we ought to come back to that. This whole sequence is about um, well, it's it's global network of coverage of satellites is now complete. Yes, you can reach That's, everyone. That's what this event is. He can now reach theoretically everyone on planet Earth. Oh dear! <laughs> Even the Fortress of Solitude. Yes, especially the Fortress of Solitude. <laughs> yeah. Which stops Superman having to do that going up into space and listening thing. Yeah. So no. <laughs> so yeah. So Carver instantly uh, thinks right. Well, this Bond guy's. A tr- trouble. Well, a, tra- a trouble, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Troublemaker. Um, like, so he, he gets, gets, he, he gets, he gets Stamper and a bunch of uh, big 60-year-olds uh, to yeah. beat the shit out of him. <laughs> they they are. They're more. like, You can send people at their peak if you want. <laughs> but no, there's a bunch of retired yeah, I mean, doormen. We've got big Ron from EastEnders. No, send Mike Reed in with... with, with... With, with fat pats. I'm like, I'm like, I mean, it's just a bit weird how you got this like really young, massive like bodyguard and his legion of like of OAPs in blazers. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. The film though, Brosnan knocks out some 
definite, like, not fighting men <laughs> as we go through this. No. But the scene's done pretty scene. well. I don't know, it's, it's done okay, but I think there's, a, there's, a, there's, there's one scene when one of the guys sort of kicks Bond, I don't know, in the kidneys or whatever, and that sound effect just sounds really fake. Do you go, like, oof! <laughs> it doesn't go, oof, but it's just like a sort of punching sound effect. It's obviously somebody just pushed, pushed a button somewhere and it goes, oof! Yeah, Brosnan's very yeah. slick, but he's not, and when it comes to actual fist fighting, he isn't particularly convincing. Like, no, he uh, didn't seem too like, much. He, he shoots his way out of, out of situations and speaking rather than using his fists. Yeah, it's like like in the the scene in the in the soundproof room. There's a it kind of like more cuts away to the other guy a bit more, and it just it just doesn't look like that. It doesn't. It, you know, you don't believe that Brosnan could easily beat the shit, even even if they are like over sixty. You know, they, they, you know. Well, there's a lot of one punch knockouts in this film. Yeah, yeah, they just fall down. Which I just don't believe. I mean, even Craig, who I might believe it from, has a harder time. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, it, it serves the story. It's okay. It's okay. Um, we really show we're really shown Carper's vanity. Yes, he loves himself just a little bit, doesn't he? Yeah, because his speech is really flowery and over the top, and talking about being humble servants and how he's spoken to the prime minister and the Chinese premier, and it's all about him, pretty much, isn't it? And it's he's all got big posters, him. posters everywhere, and With later on when you, get, when you get to Sa- yeah, when you get to Saigon, there's a big massive poster with his. I feel, so, I feel sorry for that uh, translator woman who gets sacked for no reason. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, what's going just, on? Go I don't fly, know. Get out of my sight. Get out of my sight. Yeah. Poor woman. Really, really petulant. She's only trying to do you know do her best, and there's a storm and all the rest of it, and he's just he yeah, he's throwing his, he's throwing his you know toys out the pram, isn't he? Pretty much. Yeah. So I'm quite happy with all of this, and it's followed by again one of Brosnan's. I think Brosnan is much much better this week. Um, he's got more constant, sat- isn't he? He's a lot more yeah, just, he is. Yeah, he's more confident he just, in the he role. He just inhabits it. the role now. I don't know what you think, Becca. Yeah, definitely. He's kind of. We're very much obviously, you know, starting out as Bond, and I do. I would say this is this film is more Bond by numbers than than Goldeneye. I would say because um, you got you know you're ticking all the boxes pretty much. Um, but yeah, he oh, kind I of agree. Is, he is kind of. But I, I, I wonder. He, he if owns the role of Bond not... this time around, whereas last last time he was kind of being more cautious. But yeah, you got more of the quips, more of the action, more of the gadgets. Well, it's just little things. Um, like I, I wonder, even it's such a small thing. But would, would the Brosnan that filmed Goldeneye have had the confidence to slump in that chair like he did? No, he's, he's, got that, he's got that swagger, hasn't he, this time around? There's just a kind of a, you know, and, and just sort of taking off his gun, and just momentarily, it feels like the literary James Bond, which Brosnan very rarely does. It reminds me of that scene, obviously, back in Doctor No, where he's waiting. Um, yeah. He's waiting for the professor. Um, but obviously, you know, he's going to send somebody, so... Um, he didn't shag the professor, though. No, he didn't. <laughs> Luckily. Um, <laughs> well, we don't know that. It got away afterwards. Well, we know Bond likes his corpses. <laughs> imagine probably in, in that time, back in the 60s, I imagine him was still illegal. Um, but um, later on, you know, in the scene where Carver's giving his... Um, after well, after you see Carver giving his speech, um, you also see Ed Winchester from the Flash Show. I don't know what his real name is, but um, <laughs> he's, he's he's from the Rival Network. Going, sorry, Elliot, we didn't do it. Yeah, as, as I, a... I always thought everyone, even when I saw it at the cinema, I was like, "That's the guy from the Flash Show." Fucking hell, <laughs> that's because uh, it is. <laughs> yeah, um, it. I, I, yeah, again, so many great cameos. I can't see. I can't see another news. So, like, I can't see like. Uh, be like ITV going to like report if something happened to like the BBC. the BBC go like sorry guys we didn't do it ha 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 I can't really see that even happening I can't even see that happening in America where no like, it's not you know, realistic is it it's just a bit 
alright, whatever, but, <laughs> you know, it, it, again, it shows how, like, it's meant to be Carver's humiliated and he's annoyed. Pissed off. It's personal, though! It's personal. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so he sends, uh, he, obviously, he, he finds, he knows that uh, Paris is lying because, you know, Bond made it blatantly obvious. <laughs> Uh, but uh, there's the, the the problem with the uh, audio of her talking about guns and the pillows and shit like that. So um, he yeah, sends... he's livid, isn't he? Yeah. He's livid. So he sends Carver to kind of so he sends so he sends Carver. He sends Paris to, uh, to or does she actually break free? Is that revealed? No, I always thought he sent her. Yeah, Bond yeah, he sent, sent, yeah. Cause he, well, yeah so I always wondered who he, he would send. Yeah, he sends Paris to say, right, you got to get out of it. It's a strange sequence because there's bits that I think, well, he knows where Bond... He seems to know Bond, where Bond is, Bond's phone number. That Paris will be there, but she seems to, like, behave like she's sneaked in without him knowing, but Bond believes she has been sent by him. And I don't think the film is overly clear on that. Yeah, I don't know. It's, It's kind of like, well, I think, obviously... There you go. I said it. It must. It must have sent center. Uh, but again, with like with different those people feeling differently. Obviously, that she's still feeling like feelings for him, uh, and he for her, so to speak. So he he tells her the slinger slinger hook. She says no. Uh, they she gives him information and they bonk basically, and that's basically what happens <laughs> um, after drinking vodka. And his hair stays so well in place. When they're talking the next morning after sex, I mean, I'm beginning to wonder if James Bond really lets himself go in the bedroom. (laughs) I'm I'm just wondering if he's a bit like, do you remember the Ted and Ralph sketch where like Ted uh, Ralph's on the back of the bike and he's (laughs) leaning back with his arms? Is that how Bond does sex? Probably. (laughs) Just just puts the tip in. Just, Just really, just really, really strong hairspray. Yeah, so Bond pays a visit to uh, the newspaper office. Yeah, they, they have. Yeah, he goes kind of like wandering around and does a bit of spy work in the in the bowels of mm-hmm. of his office in Berlin, doesn't he? So yeah. he meets Waylon again, which is very cool. Yeah, he, he, he breaks into a um, thing. He's safe, does not Carver, but his other henchman. Uh, oh, Gupta, Jace. yeah, Gupta's safe, which I only really picked up this time because I thought I've always thought they're really laying on. Uh, Carver is a bad guy because you open it and there's like drugs in there and things like that. But you do see him that's say Gupta's. to Gupta, "Put it no, somewhere Gupta's safe. safe." It's Gupta safe, yeah. yeah. Um, but just because he's the, he's the IT guru, as it were, isn't it? So yeah, again, he's another potential villain that is a bit underwritten. He's just kind of like he's just a character that's just kind of there. But you know, if you actually look at his. Well, the whole cyber villainy sort of aspect of it mm. could have been played up so much better. Definitely, I just think there's potential for him to be actually quite a decent uh, side villain, but it's just kind of like oh, he's just kind of there, um, uh, which is which is kind of a shame because he he is he's memorable looking as well. Yeah, he is. I, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I said I wasn't that keen on the henchman. Actually, I, I quite like Gupta. I think Gupta's all right. But just underused, underdeveloped. Apparently, um, he's like a—he's a magician as well. Like he's in the magic circle, and I, I'd really what, love to the, see the actor. Yeah, oh, Ricky, okay. uh, Ricky Jay. 
<laughs> oh, okay. I would, yeah. I'd love to have seen more of they, that, like in the movie as well. That would have been quite interesting. Well, they 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 did try to like. He's got like a car trick where he uses cars as kind of like that as kind of weapons in terms of like you can stick on walls and things like that. Cool. Um, and you, there's those scenes. There are deleted scenes on the Blu-ray where he's like practicing that that thing in the film when he does try to use it later on on Bond. Um, yeah. So it's just little things like that, but it's like, oh, that's just still a bit makes no sense. What's this guy? And also, it's pandering to the actor, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. It's like, well, there's no room in the plot for it. Yeah. I, I take your point, Becca. If they could have worked that in, and he's talented at that, then why not as a little character thing? Yeah, that's it. But, but it, it doesn't fit in the film as written. No, yeah. it would have been too busy as well, wasn't it? Too much going on. Mm. It, you needed the character stuff to justify that. You know, mm. about you can't just have that as like another thing. Oh, just always oh, look, he's practicing playing cards. Um, yeah, so it needs a bit yeah. more than that. But anyway, you know, it's a shame, but whatever. But the um, other thing is, I don't believe for a second that satellite that he knocks over is worth 300 million. No, made out of plastic. It looks like it, a model. It looks really cheap. It looks quite cheap and nasty, doesn't it? Um, and the escape as well, it's got some awful lines in it. He beats up that balding bloke who's not a fighter, clearly. It's like, <laughs> Knocks yeah, him be, into be, a printing press and you get... They'll print anything these days. Which is just shit. And who's he saying it to? It's just bad. I wore it with backseat drivers on the plane at the start because I thought he did that line pretty well. Oh, it but... is. For me, it's up there with one of his cringiest I, Roger I, lines. Oh, my God. I, I just think it's funny how, like... He gets in a fight and there's a big, massive, like youngish-looking guy. And the guy, the guy you actually offs is the, like, the guy half his size in a in a blazer who's balding. He's <laughs> just like he probably it, had a family somewhere, you know. He had kids. I just he ended up being smashed in a printing press. It's like it's like it should have been a cut, a cut to a scene where he's at home. He's got a phone call. Hello, yes, my husband works for Carver Company. <laughs> Your husband's dead. Oh. Is Dad coming home? It's my birthday. <laughs> no one ever thinks of the henchman. Daddy won't be coming home anymore. <laughs> yeah, this is, nobody ever imagines the life of a henchman. Uh, <laughs> I it's love Austin Powers. <laughs> yeah. What's going to happen when we actually come to do the Austin Powers movies? What's going to happen to her? Um, we'll run out of things to say about halfway through International Man of Mystery, but I admire <laughs> your confidence, Becca. <laughs> um, I, I, I don't really like this sequence very much. Um, tiny little thing, Wei Lin is in such massive heels. Which she is. She wears like this leather kind of catsuit, really doesn't she? The character. I, don't, I, you know, I don't have a major problem with it because these films throw that at you all the time, but it's she's the one like character who wouldn't. Emma Peel from The Avengers or something, isn't she? That kind of style. I don't know. Yeah. A little bit, but again, you know, Bond has Bond has. Um, she's not asked to do much action, though, is get... she? I, 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 sorry, she's not asked to do much action in the scene, though. So that's probably no. the thinking of it. They just didn't, you know, didn't think about the fact that all oh, she wouldn't technically wear that. She was breaking in somewhere, but for the scene as it is, she's not asked to do a lot of action other than walk up, like. Walk, 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 walk and he's in a hail walk. of bullets and yeah. stops for a bit of a look. Yes, it's a bit of a curve. But oh, there yeah. you go. He's all very calm about it. I never buy Brosnan's in much danger, to be quite honest with you. No, he shoots it's his way bit, out. It's a bit like Roger skiing, you know, when you get the close-up <laughs> of him and he's clearly... He might as well be laying on a sunbed. Yeah. He's clearly not skiing. <laughs> um, then he goes back to the hotel. I quite like this scene. Yeah, because he goes, he finds uh, Paris dead, so that's probably why you like the scene. Oh, very sad. What, because mm. you think I'm into, like, Bond doing corpses? I'm not, honestly. <laughs> I mean, it's like, very creepy. I mean, I kind of, for me, it's a little bit of a callback to Majesties. Obviously, there isn't that as much of an emotional connection there. But there's just, you know, at the end of Majesties, where he just kind of, like, obviously 
Tracy's newly shot. Oh, they just kind of like nuzzles her a little bit. To me, it's kind of a little bit like that, but there isn't because there's so there's yeah. a real lack of chemistry there. Unfortunately, it doesn't have the same. It's totally odd though because you put a comedy villain in the scene with him. Well, Doctor Kaufman, well, like well, a well, from well, Stuart, created a who I really like, by the way, but he's very comedic for the scene he's in. He's brilliant. I just he's a great character. Um, well, it's really yeah. nice how it's introduced. So you got like the uh, the videotape playing the, of the of the news recordings that sort of like that explains the situation. Of like announces Paris. her yeah. death yeah. and a mystery man, mystery man which is of clearly Bond. him. Yeah, um, which is it's a nice interest. And then yes, we have. Uh, <laughs> Do not move, Mister Bond. I have a pistol. Hey, you could get Ed Winchester. You could get the guy who played Ed Winchester, who did the one from the previous night. Oh yeah, and he could be announcing it. Sorry, Elliot, we weren't doing it. <laughs> 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 Um, but yeah, I I like uh, I like. What do, you the, what do you reckon to the Doctor Kaufman scene? Do you think it's, it's too funny, or do you think it's? it's, it's I very think memorable, he's totally, it? I think he's a great character in a different film, really. But he's but threatening, though. He, he, he is threatening, and the way Brosnan finishes him when Brosnan f- does show a bit of steel and remind us he's a dispassionate professional. Yeah, he's he goes, very I'm, good. I'm There's just, just a, not enough know. of it in his run. No, that's kind of the way he shoots him and just sort of pulls away as the body drops. I just think like you had so much more you could have done with this role. No, it's horrible. It's like that's any time you feel that he is, as you say, like a dispassionate killer. Because he's like, I'm just a professional doing the job. Me too. I'm nothing wrong with the delivery. I just the the idea of it's it's not how it looks. He just looks a bit flimsy how he does it. It's the yeah when he's like just grabbing the gun and just like pointing his faces. I don't believe that. It it would it it looks just too easy. I feel like someone who's he's like, just had a massive electric shock. Yeah, 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 that's true. And Brosnan's weight is bearing down on him. I know Brosnan's not big, but I, I've never really had a problem with it. No, he no. does it again next week in the sort of banker's office in the pre-title where you see a bit of steel in him, mm. and when, and he can do it. They just didn't do it enough with his with his bond. But I, yeah, I, I think I, Brosnan I'm, did does want did want to do that more as well. Like more that more he kind did. Of, uh, but yeah, as as for Doctor Kaufman, um, it's just like yeah. a, it's just like a nice little thing that happens in a film. Uh, it, I I I really like it because it's just a little bit. Oh, that's a bit kooky. That's a little bit uh, all right. But it kind of works because he's very memorable. He's very um, he, he, he is very threatening, but at the same time, he's, he is very he's he's almost comedic. He's very camp, and I don't know. It's just so. Like out there, like kind of just like yes, yeah, fuck it, I'll, I'll go for it. I like it. What do you think, Becca? Um, I yeah, is he's I, I kind of like um, is it I can't pronounce his name? Is it Vincent Schiavelli? Um, he yeah. sadly, sadly died a few well, two thousand and five. Bless him. Yeah. He was he's like one of one of the greatest um character actors I think. But he kind of he's the sort of character who belongs in a Tim Burton movie. He's, he probably has been in a few. Um, but yeah, he's kind of he's the I, go- he's the uh, the ghost on the subway in uh, Ghost. That's the one. He was also one of the inmates in One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. That's what. Okay, yeah, that's what I remember before, definitely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just think a bit of a weird character. But I think like I mean, Stamper's quite kooky as well, always quirks. But um, yeah, I think I I quite enjoyed the scene. He's he's got so many great lines. Um, I could shoot you from to God and still create zipper effect. I just think it's brilliant. Um, but yeah, it's a bit of a tonal shift. Um. A bit lightheartedness as well. I don't so, think he kills the scene. I mean, we talked last week about Boris, who I really don't like. Boris Glyshenko. You know, I don't think he suits <laughs> the film. 
I don't think he suits this film, but I don't I don't think he even ruins the scene he's in. So it's clearly not a major problem. No, I don't have a problem I, with I, I kind of I kind of like the interplay that Bond has because there's, there's a moment where like he's Bond is actually click, I think again it's like Bond's upset, so you get see that more steeliness, and he's kind of like points out shoot me from there, will look like an accident, and he uh, and you get that you get that line. There's little things like that, and this kind of like uh, no, no, it's more of a hobby, but I'm very gifted. Oh, I believe you. I do wonder like... if he's a I do wonder if he's a late uh, addition to all of this. Oh, because... probably. He gets yeah, referred to later on by Stamper, and it's supposed to be something that drives Stamper later on. And you just think, nah, don't buy it. We didn't have enough no. time with this guy. No, he, he didn't um, even mention him, did he? Apart from stop yelling in my thing, ear, yeah. The way he gets out of there, and then of course we move on to the car scene. <gasps> oh, I love this uh, car chase. That, uh, that that bit, though, that bit, though, where he just where he gets like he, he gets told, sorry, and uh, and I, I, I need I need your keys to the car. I don't know what to say. I'm embarrassed. <laughs> I have to talk to you if I don't. It's just, it's just the way I, I, do, it? you. Yeah. I don't know what to say. Yeah, it's kind of like. I, I, I can't think of any of a, of a film that's that, that kind of thing we've been in. I just think it's great. But anyway, yeah. The car scene where the the car with the indestructible. Okay, this this car. Indestructible cons- till. Okay, this, okay, okay, this car's um, windows, like windscreen, can survive a sledgehammer without a single crack. And bullets at like point blank yeah. range. But it still bombs in it, and we need to have a power. <laughs> yeah, <through>. yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just like okay. I mean, but it's, it's got like a teeny tiny bustle at the top as well, which can cut through. The know, other thing is, brick. when I was watching the film tonight, and Brosnan appears to press the same button for everything. He does. <laughs> it, like, top top left of the pad as he's looking at it. That seems to do everything. Button, it, yeah, it, it not it, it activates every gadget. Well, it it brings up every gadget, then activates it. And all he does is press that bit every time. It doesn't hold up the screen to me, but it's a really fun sequence. I do quite enjoy this car chase. It's a, it's it, a good laugh. The, the car does have like the exact right gadget for that exact right thing. Because like the, the thing I, Amazingly I enough. yeah, the thing I always think about is the you know when he set up that wire thing and he has like a gadget with it, this little exactly wire the right height. Yeah, the right height. Teeny like tiny little buzz saw. What? That's only part. I like think. Casey had to open a supermarket. <laughs> Excuse me, coming through. But there is like it does the like I think it's the 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 thing where his tires go uh, inflate back up after yeah, like back up again, yeah. Yeah. and there's there's a general sense of like joy in Brosnan's face. So he's like, oh, he's oh, genuinely like, hey, this is oh, fucking ace. Me. Yeah, and I, I think it, if this script wasn't so ramshackle, and I don't mean necessarily bad, I just mean we know it was cobbled together and a bit rushed, and there may have been more drafts of it. That would tell me that he wasn't in love with pa- Paris, he was playing a part, because it's two minutes later and he's fine. <laughs> but because the because the film is not that well thought through, it tells us nothing of the sort. It just tells us the scenes are all written in isolation. Well, we know Jenna. nothing about Paris, really, other than, like, oh, she was with Bond once. That's, that's pretty much her character. So I don't think they had a lot of chemistry, but in this case, I don't really blame Pierce Brosnan. Um, Monica Bellucci screen tested for this and was wanted by Brosnan yes Um, so we said when we did the Spectre review that this was a long time coming for her she was supposed to play Paris Carver Mm. but the producers wanted to go with a bigger name Celia Ward was also up for it Um, she's been she was up for it I didn't mean Um, but the producers felt she was too old because Celia Ward would have been in her 40s at this point (laughs) same age as Bond eh can't have that (gasps) 
Um, imagine that, like having sex with someone age appropriate. Um, <laughs> Rosam was, was he forty two so, or something when he started Golden Eye, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, so he's about forty four here, yeah. and Celia Ward would have been maybe a year younger. I think she might have been born sixty four, something like that. Yeah. Uh, sorry, fifty four. I mean, and um, yeah, so they end up going with Terry Hatcher, and again, it's it's one of these sort of stunt castings we start to get in the Brosnan era now. Because I'm not convinced by the character at all. She's cast purely because of Superman. Biggest thing on TV at this point, or at the point when they would have cast it. Well, certainly the biggest thing with a woman in that demographic. Um, Terry Hatcher was three months pregnant. They could have got Rachel for Friends, couldn't they? (laughs) (laughs) I can't really see that either, Um, to be honest. Um, But you, you don't want someone from comedy, really, I wouldn't have thought. But... um, she was three months pregnant when she filmed her scenes. So that wasn't her fault. She did have terrible morning sickness. And I know she butted head with, heads with people when it's like an eight o'clock call and she turns up at three. Well, that's a pretty extreme example and you haven't let anyone know. But she was moaning on set about getting stubble rash off Brosnan and things like that. And she just whined the whole time about being there. And what... Even if though, even if there's only half truths in some of those things, and it's rumor, well, years later she was, she doesn't get on with any of her Desperate Housewives cast. They all get on with each other. No one gets on with Terry Hatcher, so it all kind of fits this pattern. And they've cast this woman who isn't right, really right for the film. She's not particularly ruinous, but I'd have, I, uh, Monica Bellucci, I think, may have even screen tested with Brosnan because I do remember Brosnan saying, and I had really good chemistry with her. I mean, to be honest, Monica Bellucci's just miles better anyway. Even, even, even in a nothing role, it's like, well, yeah. Well, we've seen her in a nothing role last year. Yeah, definitely. In a Bond film. <laughs> and she imbued it with a little bit more than Terry Hatcher has got. So, yeah. I mean, well, it's a shame, but what can you do? You know, it's... Her character's dead. Um, we're <laughs> we're, we're, doing, we're doing what the uh, the car bit, weren't we at the end? And um, we were at the car bit. It's. Um, I mean, I, I like. I like. It doesn't what, stand up to scrutiny because they'd have to know exactly what you know. It, it doesn't stand up to I any like, scrutiny. I like Bond's callousness as he just like I don't know. I'll just drive this car off, off, off the edge off, of the, off the roof. Off of, yeah, off the roof. Like. Into, into that heavy concrete into a crowded area. Into cra- yeah, it, I think other people must have died. Yeah, you know, in, into into a place that you know. Well, I don't know if anyone's actually in this, but I could, you know, could have killed someone. Like you know, and yeah. he's and he's just there, like going, like, yes, I'm just nailed this beautifully done. Well, the thing is, they've turned up to break into his car. I can't imagine that they thought they weren't going to be able to. No. And if so, they know exactly which way he's going to go, and have gadgets to sort of set up and. How many people are on the payroll in this place, you know? And Quite it's all very, it's, it is, again, like a lot of the Brosnan era, it's, it's written around a set piece rather than a set piece organically coming from it. Well, it must but be it the idea of the soundtrack to it. I do. It's a very good score. I do like David Arnold's score for it. Um, and then you've got your German voiceover goes, like, congratulations, another safe trip. I'm <laughs> like, what? So cheesy. Yeah, but I think that's good. He had to deliver on a car sequence because. What yeah. happened last time? There wasn't wasn't one. It was like car. No, right. no. <laughs> so. I think I think that's why that there is the the car and gadget overload because um, Goldeneye was was so empty. Pretty and much that's like. why we've got a saloon car as well. He felt that he needed. Uh, this was chosen by the director. 
Mm-hmm. Obviously, it had to be a BMW because of the contract in place. Yep. But he didn't want a little sort of coupe. He wanted something that you would believe was big enough to like house these gadgets. I guess there's a logic to that. Yeah, that's why we didn't see too much of the gadgets in the, the Z3 in Goldeneye. Not too many uh, of them. Well, anyway. that, that was how late the Z3 was yeah. brought in, really. But it, it's okay. It's fine. So we head the up to next. Fine. Where do we go next? This is um, the USA base. But he's got the encoder now. He has. So now he goes to the naval. He goes to the ship to talk to Wade. This is it. But Your we favorite. see good old, good Your old favorite. Wade and his horrible Hawaiian shirts. But we also see Bros in his commander's uniform, which is a big high point of the movie for me. Um, anyway, moving on. Um, so yeah, Wade, <laughs> okay, Wade in his horrible Hawaiian shirts. Why, why is it a high point for you? Man in uniform, you know. Okay, fair enough. Well, no, we don't know, really. I've never understood that. <laughs> I don't really... Um, I don't know. Maybe some men do with women in uniform or men in uniform, depending on their taste, but I've never been desperate to see a woman in uniform particularly, so I don't I really get it good. the other I way think, I think, yeah, yeah, you obviously am out of a uniform. Am I right? Am I right? Am I right? Hey, 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 hey. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink, say no more. Go on, put on more layers of clothing to turn me on. Based on things that we haven't seen Daniel Craig in, in Commander's um, uniform yet, have we? So that's something that we'd quite like to see. Um, but anyway, yeah, we see Bond do the halo jump. Yeah, we haven't seen uh, Craig in his uh, uh, admiral outfit, have we? Commander, Commander... Uh, no, we don't. That's what I just said. Sorry, yeah, it just occurred to me then. Sorry. No, we haven't. God damn it. There's oh. an echo in here. Um, but yeah, and he does the halo jump as well, which I think is... Is the first time we've done it in the Bond film? I think I don't think yes. we've seen a Halo jump before. Yes, we haven't. It's, um, um, apart from the fact I want Wade to shut the fuck up, I quite like this. <laughs> yeah, he's very annoying, isn't he? So Halo jump isn't that essentially just opening high your altitude, low opening? Yeah, just opening your mouth. Very high jump. <laughs> Sorry, I just did a Roger Moore raise eyebrow there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's um, when you're up high and you you open up. What's very low? low. I don't know. Yeah, so basically basically (laughs) opening your parachute last minute. You open up just after you've gone down (laughs) and just before you get wet. (laughs) (laughs) We are in the show, people. So anyway, anyway. apart from the sudden panic that he's got Vietnamese, um, well, sorry, US US markings on him in Vietnamese water, I quite like that bit. But the thing that does it, we've just had a long sequence of Bond very intelligently with some gadgets, yes, but he's got hold of this decoder. And it's been really difficult to get. And then he's got access to his naval sort of background and Wade to find out how you map exactly where the ship is by using that decoder, of which there's only one, to find out. And when he gets there, Waylon's there just having a bit of a swim. How does she know? There's no logical way she should know. How does and she if know? So, and if, even if so, so she's half a step ahead of him. And even if she's got her own methods, it's undermined all the work Bond's just done. Plus she's there at exactly the same time, which is just, it's it's not great. Uh, yeah, so it's kind of a bit odd. I mean, obviously it's trying to place her as kind of more on the equal footing as Bond rather than just the love interest, for example, because we've already had that with Paris. But yeah, the kind of, the way it happens, it just kind of undermines it a little bit. And you think, oh, okay. But there's no explanation for it, obviously. Yeah, so not only do they land, they also uh, they also know, I guess they they know he's taken the encoder, not your encoder, and so they know that, yeah, I guess they know he's going to find out where the ship is. 
So basically, they just stand on some Vietnamese boat for however many days this is going to take, ready for when he pops up in the water exactly in the right place. <laughs> exactly where he needs to be. And then you shoot the fisherman bang on cue. <laughs> it's almost like no one's thought this shit through. <laughs> yeah, there are parts of it that don't sound up screeching at all. I mean, look, at least at least with uh, Wei Lin, like, it's not like Triple X where we're told, oh, she's Bond's equal... And then she's just like, and she does nothing but just like, be like a side character for the entire film and not actually do anything. At least she's actually shown in this film that she's capable of doing shit. And she is, yeah. you know, I, I wish and... she, I wish they'd never tried to push the love interest angle at all. Because well, it's not necessary and there's no chemistry between them in, in a romantic sense. No, it feels forced at the end, I think. And you, you're serving up someone to him as a prize who's just eaten him for breakfast the, as a spy. The, the way the way I see it, and it's probably, and I guess it's like a similar thing with Jinx because the, she is essentially just like Bond. It's like, well, want a screw? Yeah, okay. You know, and <laughs> the, the only the only thing that uh, that really said it is is Carver himself. He says he goes, oh, how romantic later on. It's like, oh, hang on, why would you get any romance here? Like, you know, they just all they've shown is just like... You have uh, complimentary sexual organs. <laughs> well, <no. laughs> How romantic. Well, yeah, like, it's only, only from the fact that Brosnan said, no, we've, we'll, we'll finish this together, in the sense of, like, of, of comradeship, you know, like, in terms of, like, no, no, well, you know, he, he, could, he could have said that if, you know, Laywin was, was another man. Well, he man. could have said that if that was a guy. Yeah, If it was two exactly. guys working together. No, you no, know, no, and, and I think it, it works on that level, with the fact that they're two agents working together. And at the end, it's like, oh, well, screw, yeah, why not? You know, it's that it's that kind of thing. Maybe that maybe that's it. Just plays better in my head if I view it that way. But I never once believe there's any romance there at all. I'm probably no, alone in this. Not for a minute. No, not for a minute. It just doesn't work. I don't think there's. <sighs> yeah, they, they I, don't, I, they don't really gel as like as a kind of romantic interest. I just like, wish like... they'd left it. This is I've said this so many times Fishy over the horn. preceding weeks. This is what I like about the Daniel Craig era. He can drive off with a woman. He can finish off, finish off, <laughs> finish off. A, well, he can finish himself <laughs> off. But um, you know, they can finish the films that way. But there's no imperative for them to do so. Now, unlike next week with the Christmas Jones character, if they oh, didn't God. have the romance, you would still have Waylin. She's a key part of the story. But I genuinely find it really jarring when they kiss at the end of the film, even though that's how every Bond film to this point has finished. So it's entirely predictable. When they kiss each other, I go, whoa, hang on. Oh, yeah, of course. I find it quite jarring to believe that she's a nuclear physicist. What, Waylin? No. (laughs) (laughs) That's because she's not. No. Anyway, that's by the by. We'll discuss that next time. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, and I just kind of like, I think I, with these things, I just accept it and go like, yeah, okay, next. Yeah, fine, yeah. She kind of, yeah, she becomes from, she she goes from being like Bond's equal to a trophy and it's like, what? Would, would, would you, I mean, like, well, the way you could see it is like, well, uh, Bond could be Waylon's trophy. There we are, exactly. Yeah. You know? You know, it's like, it's the same sort She's of thing. He's probably waving his wife fronts around in Beijing <laughs> as we speak. <laughs> I've just had him. <laughs> yeah. We don't know. I mean, Remington that... Steel, that model. I've just had <laughs> him. So, uh... but yeah, it, it could work easily work that way. I mean, like, 
you know, what would you have felt differently if it went, it it played more as a comradeship, and then at the end they both kind of went like, "Fancy shag, yeah, all right." In well, that, they, in, yeah, in that kind of in that kind of way, their phones and called escort agencies. <laughs> You know, I don't know, but you know, I I don't have too much problem with it. Then that I I I'm just kind of like I'm numb to it though, so I'm just like yeah, okay, whatever. But anyway, so yeah, they've been captured by Carver, uh, which leads to a load of really shit dialogue with the villain. You know, she's genuinely delighted with his joke about I thought watching your TV shows would be you know torture enough, torture enough. enough. yeah. She's yeah. delighted by that. I, that, that reminds that, me of something I said on Pick a Flick once. That's like when people listen to George Formby in one of his films, <laughs> and they're always really, really delighted, whatever the shit is he's playing. Really pleased. Mm. I, I remember that getting a big laugh when I watched it this cinema as well. Yeah, I think I asked you to quite a, quite a good um, quite a good response on audience as but well. Then, but I, but I remember there was a lot of laughs in it anyway, so I think everyone was just kind of like enjoying and going with it. So I think yeah, yeah it was near be- Christmas, they're all pissed. Yeah, well, this is it exactly. It's, it's, it's a good laugh, good time out. Um, it, yeah, it's not is... that bad. We do get worse in the Brosnan era, but I mean, from the point where I think from yeah, from more or less the point where he goes down to the Devonshire, yeah, I start struggling with the film after that. I lose a lot of interest, and it, it's it very just becomes common... a shoot 'em up, really, doesn't it? Well, it's very honest. common to the Bond series in general, but it's particularly common to the Roger Moore era and the Pierce Brosnan era. And with the Brosnan era, I find it more obnoxious because there's so many machine guns. Now, I know my favourite has some machine guns in it. I'm not saying you should never have them. But when you watch the shootout at the very end, which we'll get into in more detail in a while, it's just being fired around indiscriminately. Oh, it's a bit you know, it's a bit like when you see someone with a fire extinguisher. I'll just play a spray a bit there and I'll just spray a bit there. Just be sure I'll spray a bit there as well. It's just really, it's all over the place. It really is. I, I, I mean, to be honest, I like. I mean, look. By this point, this is like where the film just goes. All right, action scene, action scene, action scene, action scene, and this is kind of like um, Jonathan Price's like proper moment. Really, it's kind of like, and now, Mister Bond, this is my grand plan. You know, and yeah, you this know, is where I shall describe the plot. And, and this is like has has his big like um, speech where like uh, uh, Caesar has his legions and. Uh, and on that kind of thing, and he does this whole. He says the whole thing, and then I'll like have, uh, I'll have access to uh, to more people than uh, than anyone other than God, and all he managed was a seven amount. And this kind of thing is like, uh, and Boston's like reactions kind of remind me of Goldfinger uh, when Connery says he's quite mad, you know. He's like, he's like, you really are insane. Like, um, is that the line dialogue? It's yeah, like, it's you, like that. Yeah, he's like, wow, you really kind of like. Well, like as Dave alluded for, like really world weary, kind of like, but just casual, just like, well, you generally are fucking mad, <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> but it kind of leads to how he sort of thinks, and I liked how his his comeback is like, um, it's like this is this is stream insanity and genius is measures only only in success, which I think kind of like sums up his character somewhat. Uh, it kind of like ugh, can't we really argue with someone who thinks like that? He's just. He's just that. He's insane. bonkers, isn't he? He's yeah. probably one of the nuttier Bond villains. So it's, yeah. Well, they're all mental, but yeah, know. yeah. But um, <laughs> so I'm, I'm okay with it. You know, I like the, the, the tappiness of the keyboard. You know, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that's the one. That's the one. It's like lax punch, don't you think? <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, so yeah, the General Chang bit. I could I could have done with more General Chang as like keep, keep him as another villain. It's just like he's just there to kind of like serve something. Like I think when you introduce someone like that, you can. But I want to know more. I want to you know like generic Chinese villain. Yeah, I want more out of it. You know, um, but hey, whatever. Um, so yeah, I'm fine with it. We move on from this basically big action scene. Uh, where... Like Chase. Well, before we got that whole thing where they, they, they jump off the building, don't they? Oh, down, yeah. The, down the side. Yeah, but uh, we do get to that bike chase, which I think is quite good. It kind of reminds me sort of of the Hong Kong stuff that Michelle Yu uh, has done um, with the whole... Yeah, she's a big of... coach. She's a big martial arts action, action star, isn't she? Very well, yeah. Uh, and I think it's kind of a nice little sort of nod. I think it's quite a clever sort of sequence how they're both working together to kind of operate the the bike to get away. I think it's quite a nice sort of um, action set piece. Uh, I don't know what you guys think. It's quite funny how they, they really they fight over which bike and then they, they have to have the BMW. I know it's the contract, but I quite like that. It's like, no, 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 this one. And it's the BMW um, bike that they ride. I quite like this sequence. I think it flows really nicely. The action in this film's all pretty good. How much sense it makes and whether a play, you know a helicopter would go after them with the blades like that, I don't know, but I kind of I enjoy it. I just kill all, all those uh, uh, yeah. civilians. Well, you're risking crashing yourself. Yeah. But I, I like the concept, though. I like the uh, the idea of it. So so it's, it's a striking visual anyway, so I think it's, it works anyway in that, in that context. But yeah, I like the sequence itself, myself. So we get to it's it's the obligatory. Okay, we've got like a someone who's done Hong Kong cinema. So let so let's see a beat the shit out load of guys while Bond fumbles about outside. Um, That's pretty much what he does. Yeah, she says I work alone and leaves Bond. So Bond sort of finds her while she goes back to her little hideout place, a little, and then where she which is really overstocked. It is. It, it is. I mean, what amazes me, like, after, after the sequence, after she's knocked out all of General Chang's men, they just casually, they're just talking, like, like getting on with things. I mean, like, anyone, like, I mean, there's one point they do, one of them wakes up and they, and, and conveniently, they, she presses the button and, a, like, a bunch of stuff just knocks him over. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like... One sweet. Yeah, and it's like, why would, would you not want to, like, Leave that place and get out before they wake up. Or you know, I mean, I, I can understand if they, they kill sit around them. chatting. You know, when people are just mildly concussed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'd understand if they were killed. I mean, yeah, sure, that's morbid, but you know, at least there's like, well, there's no rush because they're dead. I just think this scene. I know they're trying to put in inject some humour, but firstly, it, it's just a bit ill thought through. I think the room is massively overstocked. I think also Brosnan is is risking killing them all by you know picking up these gadgets and their frigging flame frame throwers and poison darts and God knows what else and she's laughing indulgently. He's also kind of looking at her, starting to look at her romantically, which we we've already said doesn't really fit. And it also proves he's forgotten his Oriental languages degree because he can't do any <laughs> Yeah, that's a really big clang in the movie um, for me. Obviously, like that only whole twice. Sequence, like, oh. That whole sequence is to give him the new Walther P ninety nine. Yeah, that's pretty much it. New that's gun. Ooh. Oh, I don't you just love how it's introduced? Oh, I've been asking Q to get me one of these for a while. <laughs> he gets a new watch as well, doesn't he? So he gets a new watch, a new gun, and yeah, he's conveniently forgotten his all from China languages. All from China. Yeah, all made in China. <laughs> how convenient. Yeah, so they all say, "All oh, right, well, we're gonna finish this together." Blah blah blah. blah. 
Uh, and then they they essentially we, this is like the the end of the film really. We get towards so where they where they go to uh, track down Carver's uh, stealth boat. Yeah, it's quite interesting technology, wasn't it? Because I think it was it was um, it wasn't new technology at the time. They maybe already had something in progress, or it was kind of influenced by real world technology at the time, which is quite interesting, I think. Yeah, I just thought, oh, well, we've got self-planes to have a stealth boat. I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Uh, conveniently, it looks exactly like a stealth plane, but on the sea. Uh, <laughs> it... Then we go to the set of the man with the golden gun. Does, does it like the set of the man with the golden gun? Yeah, it does. It's, I um, think it's, it is the set of the man with the golden Holland gun. It's Holland Bay, even. Um, but it's, yeah, filmed at, um... oh, God, what was it called? Body <gasps> Salton. yeah. No, um, Fangal Bay, that's it. Um, which is kind of in, in the same vicinity as James Bond Island. Okay. Um, which is very cool, I think. We're not there. We're not there long, though, are we? That's no. I thought no. when it was sat in the boat in that bay, I just thought, yeah, this is a Brosnan film. I can't, I can't see Dalton in this film. I can't really see Craig in this film. They no. could all do it, and they would tool it to them. But this feels like a, a Brosnan film for, yeah. good, for good or real. I don't know how much sense the whole stealth boat thing makes, but I'm not that interested after that. They get to it, and it's it's all machine guns and henchmen and all one big shootout. Boring, to be honest with you. It, it, it's a little bit like the end of the Spy Who Loved Me. It kind of descended into one big firefight, um, which they just kind of thought, oh, well, that's just and everybody shoots each other up, and it's kind of a bit of a cop out, just yeah. a little bit. Um, well, yeah, what do you expect? It's like you want a big action set piece with a lot of shooting now. Well, like... we got one. Yeah, that's it. But obviously, we've had the we've had the car, uh, we've had the bike chase. And now it's just like the writers have gone, yeah, let's just do this. <laughs> yeah. So. And you, yeah, but I mean, you got Stamper. I mean, the, the, the henchman goes last, but I mean, when when Stamper's like grabbing him and hitting him, and it's like, for Kaufman. And you think, well, that guy we saw for about 30 seconds. Yeah. You know, and, I, for, for, and he's, he's for not Carver. really an actor. Yeah. Sorry? Yeah, he says for Carver as well. He does. he does say for Carver first, actually. When he stabbed, oh, his on. pain face was from an original... The original idea was that his, his whole sort of body wiring was round the wrong way. Yeah, like pleasure pe- pain. It wasn't that he got pain fr- pleasure from pain. It was that things that would cause you pain literally give him pleasure. So he's twisted, he's like... So, so yeah, it, it's just his pain responses are all wrong. It isn't just he's a bit kinky or something. There's actually something wrong with him. <laughs> yeah, there's actually something wrong with him. So when he stabs him and he looks vaguely mental, actually, it's, a bit happy, but it's, like, it's just, I don't really like the character. I don't like his line well, delivery. Yeah, so he gets really stabbed like in the character. chest and he's like, uh-uh, that's fine, yeah. Yeah, yeah I know. Um, and just the way Carver goes out, it's all okay, but and it, there's too much. The one thing this director does that I don't like is he does this sort of stroby slow motion thing. Yeah, we see that a couple of times. And I film, really hate it. Very cheesy. I don't like it. I really don't like direction that shows itself, that draws attention to itself in that way, unless it's like a director's signature or something. Like John Woo. And I don't get yeah. the impression this is. I mean, I don't really like John Woo's signature particularly, but at least, oh yeah, that's a John Woo film. Yeah, you, this you know, was you know just you're watching that. For no particular reason. I, I got definite, like, okay, they're trying to do a little bit of John Woo here, so I've got, like, yeah. there's, there's bits where like, Bond's, like, firing two guns. Like, what one's, like, a like an automatic machine gun, and the other one's just, like, his pistol. And it's both all kind of, like, flimsily done. You know, it's like... it's like, uh, I mean, Michelle Yeoh does better job at it, so it's yes. like it works better. But um, I just I got I lost track of the number of times that she was, like, kicking ass by herself. 
and you know on the the very last leg of her mission impossible of like people to fight off he turns around and like shoots them with his machine gun and you just think bond's contribution to this is key but it's all really lazily written mm. you mentioned it's john wick time had... after time i think didn't face off come out in the same year yeah i think it did yeah. i think face off was 97 wasn't it mm. yeah so i just made me think of that sorry to interrupt no 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 no, I, I, I love it. I was, I was so excited to see Face Off. And I was like, oh, it's an 18 to wait till video. You have to wait. <sighs> yeah. I bet you snuck in. No, no, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't. My first 18... 18- uh, I have to admit, I've never really liked Face Off. You don't like Die Hard either, so when it comes to... No, no, comes I don't action... dislike Die Hard. I just... I, no, no, I just, think, I just think it's been overrated, Die Hard, that's all. But I, don't, I certainly don't think Die Hard's bad. Um, I think Face Off is bad. It's messy, I would say. Anyway, it doesn't matter if you like it, it's cool. Anyway, that's yeah, it, going yeah. off on a tangent. Yeah. But yeah, uh, this but, whole but... stealth boat thing. I like the general setup that he, that the, you've got the fleets ready to go at each other and Bond in the middle trying to make this boat visible. Mm. Making him a target. Well, think, yeah. Uh, as, the, as the dialogue openly says as well. But he oh, would yeah. die for his mission. Yeah. It's his well, job to die for his mission. That tries to raise the stakes a little bit, doesn't it? I think. It's very vain. Does it in vain, though? Yeah, it's a shame because if he dies, they won't be able to consummate their red hot rapport. No, <laughs> they're obviously an it item. All right, have we got anything more to say on this scene? Because frankly, we're running out of well, things to say because it's the, so fucking uninspired. Well, the thing is, though, it's, it is just like explosions and bullets. It's just like yeah. shooty McShooty McShooterson. Um... <laughs> it's a bit where they they get free or something and walk out of the room or something. And they are just like, he's just indiscriminately just firing the gun in different directions. This is it, Bond just shoots himself out of situations. That's the problem, it's not that it's machine guns, Lazenby had a machine gun, but they're just, they're just employed in such a, pardon the pun, scattergun way. (laughs) I think when it comes to Brosnan, I mean, Brosnan, I I do generally think Michelle Yeoh would like, I think that by this point I am watching Michelle Yeoh rather than Brosnan, if you get get my drift. Uh, Carver gets... Like quite a grisly death, really. He gets like what? He does. Yeah, he death does. by sea drill, doesn't he? Essentially, he gets drilled. <laughs> but well, well, it's like kind of. I mean, it it does look flimsily done, you know. It's like in the most, like Carver gets a drop in by holding the gun on Bond, and you're not convinced that he's ever held a gun in his life. Um, no. No, and the other thing is, he doesn't shoot him in the back of the head. He knocks him down, ready to shoot him. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, that's that's the sort of thing you have to let pass. I know, but. It's yeah, and I'm not, it's I'm just not okay. The, I'm not convinced by the kiss off line either. You have to give the the people what they want, and it's like he well, sets it up for too long as well. Yeah, You've forgotten the time. first rule of mass media: give the people what they want. It's like get on with it. Yeah, and it's well, okay, for that to work, people have to see it. Cause yeah, because like, they, they, they kind of did that in the Running Man, so it's already been done. And it kind of works better yeah. in the Running Man. It does. It really does. Because but things are like I don't. Yeah, but the Running Man has a cohesive. It's got a cohesive plot. And yeah, it, it, but it's got a cohesive idea. Yeah. yeah, I mean this 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 is cobbled together. It's not all bad. We've said some very nice things about it, but this film doesn't know if it's meant to be satirical or romantic or what. It's just kind of shoehorned in, really. Yeah, so that was just a line because uh, you've got to say something when you kill the villain. It's yeah. just it's just very I say it's very fast and loose. Um, I don't think it's got any. 
depth to it. It, it just wants to be entertaining and to pass the time. Um, so these things do feel very flimsy and, and lightweight, but I don't think the film is concerned about that at all. I think it's just like, well, as long as the pace is good, as long as it's entertaining, as long as like people are happy, you know, as they yeah. watch it. I think well, that's I didn't what walk out really distraught it. over this. It was fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you know, I'm just, I'm just saying. I think the the you main hate it. the main idea of the of of the, of the filmmakers was, was is to get that feeling rather than like, well, let's make something really kind of. Uh, Let's make a big statement. Let's have like a really sort of strong thesis on it. Let's, you know, right, I think the more aim to like, let's just make something really enjoyable. Which I think that's what we end up with. Yeah, yeah, pretty much, pretty much. But maybe down to the fact that they hadn't had a script, so maybe the watch. No, let's just, let's just make something entertaining. But um... well, it's like it's like you know we were um, discussing this on Twitter earlier this evening. Um, basically, kind of you know saying all Brosnan. Is it, you know, it's good band. He did the best of the material they had to work with at the time, um, and that's pretty much what you could say with this film. That's you know they they came out with the best product that they could do with at the time. You know the resources that they had, um, and the way the film was made at the time. So three out of five, a solid three out of five. That's how I'd rate it. Oh, we're rating bomb films now. No, but I just call it, it's just an example, isn't it? It's, it's very much very much middle of the road, you know, kind of thing. But it's yeah. it's yeah, it's entertaining. It's it's big. It's brash. Um, Cover has it's, great fun, but you know, in, in the in role, so yeah, it's the sort of thing you want to like rank it quite low when you think when you think back to it, but when you're watching it, you think actually, you know, I actually really enjoyed that. Yeah, so it's, it, it's enjoyable. It, it's very kind of like conflict. It's like on 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 hindsight, you're thinking about it, you kind of go, yeah, well, I can think easily think of like loads of Bond films that are way better than it. But when you actually watch it, you know, it's hard it's to fun. think of. Yeah, it's hard to think of many Bond films you enjoy as much as you did. You know. So. I think I I I mean I've say I've got a provisional ranking at the moment. I won't say where it is, <laughs> but the films that are around it, I enjoy less, which must mean look at this again. Yeah. Because why am I ranking it around films I really don't want to watch? Not necessarily right near the bottom, but certainly films around it I don't enjoy as much. I've never sat with this film and thought I wish I was switching this off. I wish I was watching another one. It's fine in the moment when I watch it. If there'd been less Bond films, and certainly had there been less great Bond films, I think this film would be well thought of, which I know sounds really daft, because, of course, once you start ranking, you are going to rank better films ahead of it. But it's just that uh, th- we know this series can do so much better. But it's not to say this is done really bad. It's just like it's just like a very good. It's just like a solid instalment, shall we say? It's just like a yeah. Like it's by numbers, but it's you know it's it, it's product. It's product, and they're all product. But some make you really notice it, and some don't. Um, but I mean, there's there's very little in this film that's iconic. You could mention the, the car, maybe, but there there is no damn jump there, for me. There is no. There's so many things in other films that make it stand out so much more. I think the opening sequence, maybe like the 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 title sequence, yeah, Yeah. and and the the bit the jet. um, But I bet if you got if you got the average Bond fan to name their I don't know top five or even top ten pre-titles with this one, probably wouldn't be in there. I don't think. Largely because it would be forgotten, like the film. The the man on the street. Nothing wrong with it. 
but it's whether it would be thought of. It's certainly not as good as, as several others I can think of. No, I mean, yeah, you've got things... I mean, even films I don't love. I mean, The Spy Who Loved Me has got a much better pre-title than this, for example. Yeah, definitely. it's more memorable, isn't it? But I think, for me, this one kind of stands up because, because you've got the car chase, because you've got the bike chase. Um, there's the two things that kind of stand cause the film to stand out for me. So we're halfway through Brosnan. Ooh. And we're two episodes away from commentaries and all that again. Oh, very exciting. And we're, actually, well, we're two completed episodes, actually in two episodes' time, the, the episode after next. Yeah. We review Die Another Day. Oh, God. And two episodes <laughs> after that, we commentate on Die oh, Another Day. Oh, God. Dear, dear. But the episode before that, we commentate on License to Kill. That's well, going to be amazing. Me and you do, Chris is just going to watch it. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll try our best to come out with that. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to like, and... yeah. Just, occasionally you'll go, what was that? What did you say? <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Cool. Uh, well, I've got some fun Tour Never Dice facts. Ah, go on, them. yeah. Um, they're all fun. Um, so obviously we know Q's name <laughs> is made You promise, because if I don't have fun, I'm going to be very disappointed. <laughs> I want this to be like one of those party chat line phone number adverts you get where we're all sort of dancing in a very sterile environment looking like we're having what? a great time with balloons and a drink. <laughs> if it's not that good, we'll be disappointed. Oh dear, I've got a lot to live up to. <laughs> oh, I can't remember how 90s that was as well. That was very 90s, wasn't it? Oh my god. I suppose what would the Iceland yeah. be equivalent to today? One of us got a coat on the shoulder, just like, surely. Peter yeah. Andre, you know. Um, yeah. No, I thought I, I was trying the to bring something... Pair. Yeah, this is it. <laughs> I was trying to bring something else to this, and I thought, oh, there's some fun facts about the movie. Well, why not? It may work, it may work, I don't know. Um, but yeah, last week I had some very dodgy facts that turned out not to be facts at all, so this time I've made sure that they're all facts. Fact! Um, yeah, Q's name, obviously, we know is Major Boothroyd, but... Um, if you go to the Bond Emotion Exhibition, you can see the name badge on his Avos rental jacket. His name is Quentin Quigley, which I think is very fun. Um, that was his cover. That was his cover. <laughs> QQ. QQ, that's it. What is that about? Um, obviously, the BMW car chase was filmed at the Brent Cross Shopping Centre in North London. And the the scene at the Printworks, um, where he goes, they'll print anything these days. Um, it was also filmed in London at the West Ferry Printworks on the Isle of Dogs, which doesn't... I'm glad he didn't have to fly, like, for hours to do that line. No, all that way you know to Germany I mean? and back again. I flew, I flew all the way to Japan to say that, <laughs> and then I flew back. Could, <laughs> to Japan? Could you, could you think of a better line he could have used? No, just don't say anything, though. No, just though, don't, isn't... no. That's the point, you don't have to have a line all you the time. You don't have to have a good line. Oh. There's plenty of opportunities in these films to do lines. Definitely. But anyway, so... Yeah, we were talking about the, the cameos that we saw earlier. Um, obviously, Jared Butler um, and Julian Weintut from um, Greenway. Julian. Weintut, I can't pronounce his name. Um, but yeah, so yeah, we've got a lot of cameos from um, various British ca- uh, character actors. So yeah, Jared Butler, uh, Jason Watkins from the Trolley and W1A, um, Pip Torrens from Poldark that we know, and Julian Weintut who's in Greenway and a few other things. And also the Danton Abbey connection. Julian Fellows, yep, he wrote it playing the Defence Minister, Hugh Bonville, Brendan Coyle, and Samantha Bond. So that's the fourth person. Mm-hmm. Nice to have um, a Defence Minister that isn't just there for a cup of tea. No. <laughs> He's actually got an opinion and looked concerned. Yeah, he was like, well, where do we stand? You know, his... Rather than just M offices, M's office has got a really nice radiator. Going, mmm, all the time. <laughs> yeah. um, and so, as you probably know, um, Pierce Brosnan is the deadliest Bond, having killed 135 people throughout his course. 
Um, and I think tomorrow never dies. Oh, across his entire run, across his entire range. Oh no, definitely, yeah. definitely. I think it's 135 people in this film, making mm. tomorrow never dies a deadliest Bond movie. So if you survive, you're lucky. And that's my fun facts. Thank you. <laughs> well, well, I have um, fun. I... Oh, bloody well, I hope so. <laughs> it's a bit of a party going on here. I can tell you. <laughs> The temperature's gone up. I've, the I've shirt's open a bit. Coke. I'm, stuck, I'm, I'm stuck on a medallion. And, I'm, and, I'm, and I'm talking to the I've kind of people I've always wanted sticks. to meet. <laughs> and sausage rolls. Many sausage rolls, there you Many sausage rolls. Well, I'm glad you had a ball. <laughs> I know. I'm going to whip out our lemon meringue in a while. <laughs> it's a very 70s party all of a sudden. <laughs> I can't wait for the world is not enough. So look out for my fun facts for next time, folks. Yes, they'll be about fake tits, generally. <laughs> because of the Denise Richard angle. Uh, <laughs> the thing so that I think that same year she she, she played like she, she did a, a film called Drop Dead Gorgeous where she played a teenager in the high school. It was just it was Oh yeah, like, that's twenty eight at this point. Yeah, it's just like yeah, you're you're not a teenager. Mm. No, I, do, yeah. I do kind of like the film, though, to be fair. But, yeah, no. Um... Oh, yeah. Um, lots to say about The World Is Not Enough. It's a, it's certainly a more ambitious film than this in some ways, certainly in what it tries to do. Whether it succeeds, we'll find out, I guess. I certainly think when we get to next week's film, you, you've got... I, I, I think, it, again, it's, it's a film that I understand why people hate. But I think that film i'll explain where i sort of was with the bond series when we came to when we come to it because there's specific reasons why that film i wanted that film to be great and it could have been and yeah, you so for a long time greatness in its concept but it just didn't pull it off no yeah i think so i think so but it had some pretty good casting as well and some wasted ideas but um there's a lot there's a lot i do like about it i just think it's but it squanders whereas Tomorrow Never Dies, at no point was that ever going to be a great film. It was just, okay, pretty good. Um, I don't think we've been too too harsh on it at all tonight, to be honest. No, it's, it's hard it, you know, it's, it's hard to, because it's not like... You, you'd be a lot more scathing if you were bored from it for, what, for two hours of boredom for something like this kind of silly and throwaway. When, it, when it's kind of when it's entertaining, you're kind of like, yeah, okay, fine, you know. So at least it gives you something. It's like entertainment, you know, it's... I don't mind like silly, like silly silly films when it's it it entertaining because I just feel like well that's its purpose it's just there to entertain nothing more and that's fine in doing that um, so I'm, I'm I'm very forgiving for silly films for if they are like enjoyable to watch it's when they start being boring that's when it's like okay now you're not doing your job <laughs> so yeah agreed there are, there are some bits where it just feels like padding and it's boring and it's just like get on with it so yes get on with it get on with it <laughs> if you ever do a commentary you'll hear me that yelling <laughs> okay so we're coming to the end of the show um before we wrap up where can we be found on social media dave where can we find you uh you can find me at the pasty kid 1976 on twitter um i won't give my facebook address out again because i've just realized that about two weeks ago i got a friend request thought I've got no idea who that is and said no. And I thought, well, I've just like <laughs> I've just given my Facebook address out. Someone's gone, oh great, used it, and I've gone, nope, because I haven't put the two together. So find come find me on Twitter. If we get chatting on there, ask me for my Facebook address, I'll give it to you. 
Chris, where can um, we find you? And then you can spam, you can send him spam and new photos and whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Dick pics and the like. Yes. Um, well, you can find me on Twitter at uh, Cinematronics with an X, where you can find uh, my website, which is uh, cinematronicscrew.uk, which is where this lovely podcast is hosted, uh, as well as my other podcast, which we, uh, I've recently uh, did a podcast with uh, our very own David Bond uh, to my left in the virtual world of Skype. <laughs> I don't want to be. Uh, yeah, I don't want to be your right hand man. <laughs> uh, yeah, we, we did. We did a podcast on Batman versus Superman. Yeah, yeah a film. I'm great listening to this too. Oh, have you heard it, Becca? Have you? I've had a listen. Yeah, it's, it's better than the film. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's not saying much, though, is it? Really? Um, no, no, it's, it's really interesting. We remember and... to switch our microphones on. And <laughs> yes. Talked through the right orifice. <laughs> yeah, it was better than the film. Brilliant. <laughs> and I really enjoyed listening to your opinions on it. Yeah, because well, we'll I pretty much agree with the list of you. We, we're going to have to find. Well, I, I said during the podcast, I wouldn't watch it again. Uh, of course, I will watch it again. Well, we'll have to, won't we? When we come to. We will. I thought we were going to so do we'll, that, we'll though. Discuss... I thought we were going to just do Superman to Superman Returns and then leave. Well, the... to be fair, there is a smaller chance we will do this because it re- would require to be part of the DC Cinematic Universe, yeah. Extended Universe shows, mm-hmm. which. Well, they've got to release a few of them first, and this thing's got to not implode. We've still got to be going in about five or six years' time, which is entirely possible. Um, so, yeah, there's less chance. It won't be part of the Superman show next next year, but I think it's I think it's premature to say about any of these things. I won't watch them again because we might well. No, what you mean is you have no desire to watch it again. I don't really want to watch it again. No. But I thought it was... Well, go listen to the podcast. There's no spoilers in it. I mean, we all put our cards on the table very early on. We've got... Um, who else is on the show? Who else is on that show, Chris? Uh, Robert For those Turnbull of us who got, and uh, Matt Daly. Yeah, Robert Turnbull and Matt Daly, who's uh, I Skywood and Four Ducks on, mm. on Twitter. Um, both huge Superman fans. Much, much bigger Superman fans than myself and Chris. Very knowledgeable. I mean... Robert's read and consumed virtually everything Superman that there's ever been, so he knows the character very well. And, and whilst that will lead, might lead to strong opinions of of what you might like, he, he kind of knows what the character will bear in terms of deviation. And we talk about it very sensibly. I don't think there's an awful lot of ranting per se. Um, I'm surprised there's not four blokes having a go at it. <laughs> Um, but we tried to discuss why we don't like the film, but there's there's, there's no hiding it. We we all thought it was terrible. Anyway, if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at RV Movies. But more importantly, if you want to follow us across social media, we are at Expect Us to Talk on Twitter, facebook.com slash Expect Us to Talk. Um, we're also expected to talk gmail.com. Please send us an email. We've <laughs> had a lot of comments on YouTube from Yeah, on YouTube John from a lovely chap called John Blaze. Um, very kind. Thank you so much. Well, he's um, lovely because he likes the podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for your lovely comments. Um, keep listening. I'm uh, glad you enjoy. Um, if you have any feedback, give us a shout. Obviously, the guy who thought we weren't so kind, we weren't right in uh, what we said about the spy love me, nowhere near as lovely. <laughs> yeah, no, a, a lot of you have been sort of talking to us on social media recently. Um, talking to us about the show and, and it, you are all really positive we enjoy talking to you um yeah keep talking to us we really like it so got people discovering us for um for the first time and people who've been with us since the beginning um so yeah yeah no we have one becca all right yes we do we have one from matt Merritt. 
Um, just as a sideline, Matt is also a theatre reviewer. Um, his website um, in the cheapseats.co.uk. So go and check that out for latest all theatre reviews. Anyway, Matt says, hey, folks, following this week's podcast, I was pondering the blind adoration of people in my age, mid 30s, have for Goldeneye. As you all pointed out, it's a pretty flawed film, though a very enjoyable one. It occurred to me that part of the reason it consistently ranks among the top Bond movies for me is probably because of the sheer brilliance of the video game adaptation. I wonder if that tips the balance simply by association. That was a good question. We didn't think of that before. Um, so anyway, Matt says, good luck getting through the rest of the Bond Brosnan run and keep up the good work. So yeah, thanks for your email, Matt. Um, yeah, we didn't think too much about the uh, the GoldenEye game, but I'm sure we can discuss that later on down the line. I never played it, sadly. <gasps> what? I just never oh had. I just never had the. Um, I didn't have an N64. I had a PlayStation. Dun dun I didn't have a PlayStation, so I just never played it. Disgraceful. Um, I'm See, waiting. The for thing them. with Goldeneye is, I'm sure it did shift a lot of N64s, and, and and that was like one of the most, if not the most popular game. Yeah, definitely. But certainly in this country, everyone I knew had like, with I think one exception, had a PlayStation. So I, when people talk back now and it was like, oh, Goldeneye was everywhere, what well, was it? That's one of the things, wasn't it? It's probably the last of the, of the, um, the then current gen, I guess. Um, but I think apart from things like Nightfire, um, it probably stands up as one of the best-loved games anyway. Um, I'm just, I don't know if it will ever happen due to the, copy, um, due to the rights involved. I mean, Matt, you're, you're probably right. There's been a degree of nostalgia for that game and then Goldeneye as a property um, but even outside of that I think it's staffed from Bond and the, the generation of people that are now film reviewers and doing podcasts and everything else I, I do think it's driven by a lot of nostalgia but who can blame you, who can blame people after they were staffed at Bond for five years yeah. or six years rather so anyway we will return with The World Is Not Enough and apparently, and apparently, a D cup isn't enough either. 